to do the talk no less. Now, here is a little peninsula, and uh, here is a viaduct leading over to the mainland. Viaduct? I'm all right. How are you? Tootsie ice cream. I'm getting a fine Tootsie Frutzing right here. One dollar you remember me all your life. That's the most nauseating proposition I ever had. Why, my partner, he's got a nose just like a bloodhound. Really? Yeah, and the rest of his face don't look so good either. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers. New opportunities. Yeah, we can't handle the Clicking sounds. Sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rays. The instrument, a Geiger counter, is converting radioactivity into sounds we can hear. So is it on? Yeah, we're we're fucking recording? All right, piss on it. Good evening and welcome to Tank Riot. This is episode 118 where we discuss the Marx Brothers. I am Sputnik and with me as always, of course, is Pinky and Ciccolini. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ravelli. Hey, that's a no good Pinky. Uh, one of the I don't understand is why a dog. <laughs> I understand why not a horse and why not a... <laughs> There's my uh, argument. Restrict immigration. <laughs> I'm so glad we finally got around to this very important topic. You know, it's one of those yeah. like the beer episode, which I can't believe it's taken this many episodes before we finally got into the Marx Brothers, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. probably one of yeah. our foundational groups. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so much. Uh, and it's so funny because the Viking Princes, I have recently watched everything, everything on film they- that they have done <laughs> uh, again. That- Some I'd never seen. You know, I'm envious of, of her seeing them for the first time because, yeah. you know, I've seen every one of them like a dozen or more times. We and... started to get toward the end there and, and there was all of a sudden an end in sight. Like, oh, no, <laughs> what are we going to do now? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what are we going to do now? It's not like there's going to be new ones. I know. <laughs> no. But yeah, great. Well, you have all the idea. reruns of You Bet Your Life to go through. You do. You, do. you know, I those, do. those are actually those. really fun i have watched a, a few of those on reruns and uh mm-hmm. the the chemistry with groucho and george fenneman were, were was just fantastic i mean george yeah. fenneman was like the um the logical progression from margaret dumond mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. she was you know the perfect foil for the marx brothers well of course we're we're jumping way ahead we <laughs> right. have to hit them at first and surprise they're all dead yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to be the one to break uh, it to you. Sorry that I ruined it for you. Marx Brothers yeah. are dead. <laughs> so just like Kim Jong Il. Yeah. Yeah, I rarely speak ill of the dead, but in his case, I'll make an exception. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. When I, when I heard that, like I, said, I, was, I was saying to you guys before the, the the podcast that you know I had to run. I had just, I had to go get my copy of Team America: World Police and just watch it again, and it's it still holds up beautifully. So I would like to say yep. though, I hope everyone had a, a good uh, and safe Sacred Baby Festival and New Year. I yes. did. Uh, yes, and the Muppet whatnot was a big hit for the Viking Princess. Oh, cool. He's now an owner of a Muppet. Which is interesting because 
Godzuki talks to Muppets now as if they were real people. <laughs> you know, in I a might way, encourage that. They are. I mean, mm-hmm. I, yeah. they are. They are. I mean, how how great would that have been to have been on one of the Muppet shows or? Um, well, it's it's like when William Shatner does an album. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just put out the word and artists flock. Right. You know, say, oh, <laughs> you know, Shat, if you need uh, anything, <laughs> let me know. Yeah, exactly. I've heard, I, I don't, I haven't heard the new album yet, uh, but I've heard it's really interesting because it's a take on a lot of David Bowie, a lot of weird space classics. It, basically, if it's even vaguely space related, he covers it. It's a two disc yeah. set, oh. um, seek, uh, Searching for Major Tom. Right. And... It's it's really good. Uh, the the ones that I really recommend are, uh, of course, uh, William Shatner's version of Space Oddity. What's nice is they intersperse it with uh, NASA footage or you know NASA sound <laughs> awesome. bites. Awesome. You oh, know yeah. that beep beep clear for LOL. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I honestly could listen to a foam loop of that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. There was it, another cover of Major. Tom. Well, they have a TV station for that. There's a NASA station. They just. Well, NASA's not really doing anything per se. Yeah. Well, it's just the, you know cleaning the toilet in the International Space Station or something yeah, like that. You NASA know? life of Belkinor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're good for flush. Yeah. You know, <laughs> negative function on the flush. I can't think of the guy saying Peter something did a cover of Major Tom that I thought was really yeah. a oh, yeah. good Major Tom. Peter. Peter Tork. Uh, Peter Tork. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Peter, that guy from a Jay Giles band? No. No? I don't think so, no. Peter Wolf, you mean? German guy. German guy. Because he did a German version and an English version. Really? Yeah, we'll find it. I'll find it. Okay. I'll find it. But yeah, no, I've heard good things about it. I'm actually enjoying the new Roots album, The Roots, Mm -hmm. and uh, also the new Wilco album is quite good. So You know, I've heard a lot about the Wilco album, and I'd love to listen to that because I've heard it's kind of a different sound. I'm also enjoying the new Crib Shitter album, which we'll get to... By oh, the end of the show, perfect. local band, new release. Love Crib Shitter. Very silly uh, ex-member of the National Beekeeper Society, so yeah. we will, uh, we'll discuss them a little bit but later. But not the stupid lion. But first. But first. You know, I saw uh, Mission Impossible 4, Ghost Protocol. Oh, God. How was that? Dare I ask? It was, it was a great little spy movie because the Viking Princess is so into spy stuff at this moment. And it, it was actually well done. Uh, old school Kremlin versus the USA, Ooh. Uh, stray nuclear weapon scenario. Those are always the best. Movie. Yeah, and there's these little bits and scenes, and Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise and chews it up. You can't believe the guy's as old as he is doing some of these things. But sure, it was okay. <laughs> I, Tiny I, Tom Cruise hanging off the side of that building in yeah, Dubai. I think she really enjoyed it, and I kept thinking, God, I hope there's no drugs on his shoe. You know, <laughs> after the <laughs> War on Drugs episode, I kept thinking about Dubai. And, <laughs> Yeah. How dangerous is to travel with uh, any amount of any kind of drug oh, no kidding. Uh, nearby. Mm-hmm. But um, well, Speaking of NASA, I'm sorry, Tor, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, speaking of uh, spy movies, uh, the Tor family, uh, we watched uh, Despicable Me on DVD. Mm. I saw that. I liked that movie. That was a fun movie. That's a good yeah. one. And uh, the criminal has to go to the, the bank to get funding for his evil <laughs> scheme. Right. And He's a doofenshmirtz. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's a total doofenshmirtz. Yeah, and it says, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, the evil bank, formerly Lehman Brothers. <laughs> so it's very topical. Very, very topical. <laughs> well, I was going to say, speaking of NASA, one of the um, movies that I watched recently was Apollo 18. Ah, oh, I know that just came out on DVD. I have yes, not checked really. it out yet. It was good because Worthwhile. the way they, the way they, it got kind of dumped on when mm-hmm. it came out. But I thought, oh, what the hell, you know, just sit down and watch it. And I actually really got a kick out of it because they presented it in a sort of Blair Witchy fashion. Mm-hmm. So it was 
like mm. there was this newly discovered footage that was found and they put it on lunartruth.com and you know here's all the bits and everything and it was okay. it was actually i thought pretty creepy cool wow you know, and and just kind of fun and it, it was a good concept and good idea i i really liked it i i'd have to say i you know i'm just a hmm. nasa junkie, i look forward so. to watching it i think the absolute yeah. greatest thing that i've seen recently i tweeted uh, through the Tank Riot Twitter feed is someone took Pingu, the claymation show that I've <laughs> talked about before in this show because my little ones love it, and meshed it with John Carpenter's The Thing and made a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute mash of those two subjects, which was probably the best piece of film I've seen this year. So welcome to 2012. Here's Pingu and John Carpenter together. Wow. So I'm just, yeah. That perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, let's see, I was trying to think of some other... Oh, I, I did watch Contagion last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was nerdily fascinating because um, I'm a big fan of Pestilence. <laughs> and uh, I think one of the very first uh, Tank Ride episodes was about the swine flu or about H1N1. Mm-hmm. I think we discussed mm-hmm. it. And you know, yeah. they did just... Uh, There's this big news story about the UW-Madison yes. and our making of a Contagion... Yeah, uh, virus, which it's a very interesting news article. It's a very interesting science article. Mm-hmm. And it's also very interesting mm. about the censorship that has to go on, you know, to keep everyone from learning how to make it themselves at home in their kitchen sink, but also needing to learn how to understand these viruses. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. But contagion. You think that's good? Uh, it was interesting just because they went through all the different protocols about how they try to figure out where it started and what it is. And can we generate the serum and everything? And for me, the best part was Gwyneth Paltrow died almost immediately. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. Boom. <laughs> and there was a scene. There was a scene I have to share because it was like, okay, you go from Shakespeare in love to, um, so she's completely dead, and they're doing an autopsy. And all you can hear is this, <laughs> you know, and then they just take the whole flap of skin and just flop it over her face because oh. they're looking at the. They're going to do a brain sample, and they're looking at it, and they're going. Oh jeez, what what did that? <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh great. <laughs> I guess someone uh, <clears throat> did recently catch the flu from a pig. Yeah, I, I think in Wisconsin. His but name they was don't. Dave the they, pig. Yeah, <laughs> they, Spider they, pig. they don't think it spread to anybody else. So we should yeah. be okay. We should be okay. But I, I hope we, we've yeah. had everything else bad happen in Scotty Nation. Oh, we need to yeah. do a open mouth strain. pig kissing is now <laughs> yeah. officially yeah. on the books. It's something you should not do. This type of thing is yeah. not unheard of here. <laughs> it's just Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, it's we no French kissing. Bit here. Yes. Sometimes we all get a little lonely. Billy, I said yeah. no tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I know he was asking for it. Yeah, he wasn't asking for it. Why was he smiling at me? Look at how he's dressed. <laughs> yeah, that pig is dressed provocatively. <laughs> so, oh, it's funny, too. Um, I wanted to mention that I was watching uh, Conan last night, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the new Dark Knight film that's coming out. And I think this is kind of an odd, you know, because the Dark Knight was so good with, uh, you know, Heath Ledger mm-hmm. as the Joker. Yeah. And the Batman villains are are kind of... Once you kind of get off of the Joker and Two Face, they get kind of more along the way of um, just obsessive compulsives, right? You know, like the Penguin or something the like Riddler. that, or the Riddler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's when they're doing on Bane. I'm confused why they're doing Bane, but it's yeah. so far down the pipe at this point. Whatever. But so the, the big controversy. Bane Investments. <laughs> yeah, Bane <laughs> Investments. That's right. The, the Mitt Romney company <laughs> the yeah, Mitt Romney. That, that had to get bailed out in like 1991. <laughs> anyway. Maybe that's their game, liberal Hollywood. So the big thing is, is that yeah. on the internet, there's a lot of people that are pissed off you know fans because they saw the trailer and bane is very hard to understand because he's got this you know big mouth gear on right 
So, and the director is like, you know, being very artistic and said, well, no, I, this is the way it's supposed to be and I'm not going to change it. Great director, by the way, though. So, yeah, yeah. I give him the benefit of the doubt. I, and I'm, I will not, it's not like I'm not yeah, going to see few it. Directors get that, you know, where I'm saying, all right, if he says so, he knows it, let him do it. So one of the uh, one of the guests he had on though was Dave Attell, which is one he's oh. one of my favorite comedians. I just wished he would do more than Skanks for the Memories as mm-hmm. far as a disc. You know, I'm definitely ready for a new. Hey, they got Joe Rogan back to Fear Factor. They can get Dave Attell back to Insomniac. I, at some I point. would like to think, but anyways, <laughs> he's doing what he was there because I thought he was on Conan to plug something. I was hoping it was a new disc. Mm-hmm. No, he's actually got a new show on Showtime called Dave's Old Porn. And in the key on, he said, well, he goes, well, what's it about? And he goes, well, this is about the the hairy golden age of porn, the 70s and the 80s. And so just try to picture Mystery Science Theater, but with porn. Oh, my God. They showed a a clip of it and it was hilarious. It it was him and Chelsea Handler from Chelsea Lately. And they're sitting on a couch. So so. In Mystery Science, you know, of course, you had the silhouette in the corner, and then you you saw the screen kind of like you were sitting behind them. In this way, the two of them are facing the camera, but they're obviously watching it on the monitor, and then the whole background is is the porn movie. Oh, man. And that just looks (sighs) hilarious. Yeah, you got to have the right time and place to watch that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, not I did, safe for work. I did yeah. pay for the Louis C.K. download of the oh. Live at the Beacon Theater show. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I I've been hoping to find time to get to it. But Louis C.K. is a brilliant, brilliant comedian. I think I've talked about him plenty on the show. But the fact that he offered this DRM-free video that you pay five freaking dollars for, and then he gives you five different downloads to whatever device you want. And then from there, do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Uh, and he financed it himself. He put like 200 grand into making this video, filming this video, editing it and putting it on the web. It's real smart. He made that, you know, he made a million off of it in the first, you know, few weeks. And then the rest mm-hmm. of it now he's taking it and donating it to charity and paying his staff really, really well for doing it. Well, and I know. mean, the guy's doing what most of the 1% don't do and like right. sharing it back. And I, I can't wait to watch it. He's one of my favorite comedians. But oh, I love Louie. What show, a Louis. great experiment for independent media that he could just yeah. take it. And, and it's only happens with like Radiohead and those really, really rich people really who mm-hmm. have a large fan base where they can get away with. It's impressive. Just making a ton of money off it. So I hope he'll do it more because this was so successful, but yeah. Oh, and I did want to mention to you guys too, that on true TV season two of Jesse Ventura's conspiracy theories, is oh, on. Oh my god! Up, oh god! The governor has definitely gone around the bend. I mean, the first season was awesome. This time, oh my god! It looks like he has not slept in a long time. <laughs> He's re- you know just this far from a foil hat, you know, and it's and it's just fun, just okay. fun. I mean, not like Iowa caucus fun, but <laughs> you know. And you know, here's a, you know, let's raise one for Michelle Bachman leaving the race. I mean, at least I yeah. feel a little Thank bit better, you. just that little bit better. Yeah, but there's a uh-huh. lot of frothy Santorum. Like, oh, Santorum! Santorum ass juice. Yeah. I tried to explain that to people and who hadn't heard that uh, what that means. Santorum ass juice. Right, right, right. <laughs> Don't Google that. But yeah, no, actually, you should <laughs> Google it. It is a frothy mixture. <laughs> but yeah, he will not be our next president, nor should he be. But no, it's an interesting yeah. race. It's just such a clown show on bottom. so many levels that um, in a certain yeah. sense, I almost kind of like when Michelle Bachman was talking about a miracle mm-hmm. 
and everything. And I was thinking, oh, you know, there was an entertainment value with Michelle Bachman. Well, Michelle Bachman could come back. Um, she could come back as vice presidential candidate. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, she could still be on the scene. Yeah, I, I be, it's it's everyone's just trying to you know stay away from data mit. Yeah. You know the 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 droid, <laughs> the droid of the future. Yeah, <laughs> but he's just he's just. He's vague. He's confusing. He's not extremist enough. Oh, he's Data's twin brother, Lore, or whatever. I gotta yeah. tell you. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so lately, I've been. Um, Christian Bale is someone that I've I've probably seen most of the movies that he's been in. Yeah. And over the holidays, there was just a jag of these movies on that that I either hadn't seen in a long time, like before I really knew he was Christian Bale. Okay. Or ones that I, I had never seen before, like there's this uh, science fiction, you know, uh, dystopian future he did called Equilibrium, mm-hmm. which was kind of intriguing. And um, I had forgotten he was in the movie Swing Kids. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but... Was he in Newsies as well? Yes, he was in Newsies. <laughs> yes, I was going to bring that one up. Okay, Swing Kids. Swing Kids is awesome because, okay, number one, it involves Nazis. Mm-hmm. Number two, mm-hmm. it um, involves swing music. So so the thing is, is that okay. it, it, it's all about so these... Did this come out during the big swing craze of the late 1990s? Well, or it was, it was early earlier 2000s? in the 90s, but yeah, it was around that period of time. I yeah. want to say it was Ryan like, Setzer Orchestra. Yeah. Yeah, that, that time. <laughs> yeah, about that period of time. So you're okay. talking kind of middle 90s. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the story is, is these, these kids are kind of, um, you know, older teenagers, younger adults, whatever. And they're, you know, in Germany and the Nazis have, are in the process of taking over or have taken over. And they're like really fans of swing music, American swing music. You just brought up Nazis again. You managed to work the Nazis. <laughs> I know. Once more. Well, anyway, don't even get me started on the Nazi collaborator series. We're close to the Moon Nazi movie, by the way. This is coming around the corner. Oh, I'm so April. pumped. So, yeah. But anyways, so so they you know they dress in that fashion you know kind of not zoot suits but kind of in that way, and they have like all the you know seventy eight records of all the American you know artists Count Basie and everything, and they try to do all the slang and everything. And but the whole point of it is is that the Nazis are there, and of course this is filthy non Aryan music. Mm-hmm. And there's this great scene in there where. Christian Bale is in a boxing match with this Hitler youth and Christian Bale just gets the shit kicked out of him. So, I mean, he's literally just like this broken grapefruit and he yells to this guy and he goes, Hey, it don't mean a thing if it don't have that swing. Do I, do I, do I, do I. <laughs> I would recommend it for that scene alone. Wow. So have you seen the movie, the mechanic? Oh, because that's one that's it's perfect time of year to watch the mechanic. Gee, yes, it would be. <laughs> God, didn't he go like under like 100 pounds or 90 yeah, pounds yeah, or something? He went completely Ooh. anorexic for that movie for mm. reasons that are clear in the movie eventually. Yes, eventually, eventually. <laughs> you know, speaking of this time of year, I'm enjoying reading the novel The Terror right now. Oh, by Dan Simmons. Sure. I'm enjoying it because it's a frozen wasteland of hell on an ice expedition in the mid-1800s where they get lost, basically, on an ice shelf in northern Canada for England on an adventure to circumnavigate the North Passage, to find that Northwest Passage, and they're being terrorized by some kind of monster mm-hmm. that's devouring crewmen one by one. Oh, And it's the cool. perfect, like, Stalingrad movie for yeah. this time of year to, to read a book about 
horrified, terrified. That takes uh, place in the in the, the brutal cold, land, yeah, <laughs> where your fingers will, the skin will come off on the metal of the gun. Yeah, speaking you know, of at the certain thing, temperatures. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> speaking of the thing, but it's a period piece where it's half built on real story mm-hmm. and then half made up, and oh. it's very fun and it's very. Uh, mm. It's very entertaining. Reading. Very cool. Dan Simmons is a great author. I'm actually reading a Philip K. Dick novel that I was not aware of. I mean, they've done a lot of reprints and reissues lately, and mm. it's called Lies, Inc. Mm. And it starts out great, classic Philip K. Dick, where this guy isn't sure if he's this guy or he's a rat. <laughs> and <laughs> so he's just like, he'll be, ta- he'll be doing something, and he'll be... And it'll be a very crucial moment, and then all of a sudden he's in this dump with his best rat friend, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know he'll end up to be a rat who's been experimented on with drugs. It's something, yes. He thinks he's yeah. human. I mean, it's, after a while, you kind of like, okay, I think I know where this is going, but maybe I don't. And Yeah, and I won't root for the protagonist. <laughs> this is a Philip K. Dick novel. That's right. He's... Well, that was a great uh, children's novel. Uh, I believe it's called The Rats and Nim. Yes. So like, yes. That, that was a fun read when I was a kid, I remember. You know, you know so another similar. great children's book that i just recently read is monsters eat whiny children so oh, if yeah. you have any really young kids that's a good one. Oh, nice <laughs> yeah that would be yeah. good it's all about monsters dragging away whiny children to make food out of them <laughs> yeah i was kind of surprised to find it at the library i think i've even checked it out a couple times yeah and, and, well, have you ever seen that book he's like um Something like, little darling, please go the fuck to sleep. Oh, or... yeah. Go the fuck to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great one, too. You know, another really good one is The Stinky Cheese Man and Other Stories by John Skiska. I, I probably mispronounced his name, but The Stinky Cheese Man is a great, great riff on the gingerbread man tale. Oh. Wonderful children's Very book cool. that college students could enjoy. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I did. Oh, <laughs> when I was in college. Well, I have to admit, over the Sacred Baby Festival, I did watch my favorite uh, telling of of a Christmas Carol, and that's of course the George C. Scott version. Ooh, I thought you were going to say Scrooged. No, well, that's <laughs> what I watched. Scrooge is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. taking anything away from that, but uh, George C. Scott made uh, and 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 plus the Ghost of Christmas Present was played by uh, the Tranquilizer mm-hmm. Edward Woodward, <laughs> yes. which was perfect. Perfect. I love that series. Mm-hmm. I never missed it. Right. No, me neither. Me neither. I, I mean, love the Yeah. Oh, I mean, it made me want to get one of those Jaguars just, you know, to cruise around and fight crime. I've got to find that theme song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll start digging for that, that now. That'll be in the podcast. Plus, I've been really following the Hell on Wheels series. I am, like, so addicted uh, to that show. I fell off on that one. I haven't gotten back on Oh, that. there's just so much bloodshed and intensity. <laughs> I love it. So the finale is, like, oh, oh. And before I forget this. New, absolutely fabulous episodes I heard on about that. this Sunday. I, that's going to be like a reunion, and that's it. Then no, or no, no. It's, gonna it's not going to be a series. They're going to do a series of specials. Okay, cool. So I'm super pumped for I'm, that. That's super awesome. Edwina and Pat. Are they all three <laughs> back? Like the yes, girl the whole, too? The, the whole cast. cast? Uh, Safi, everyone's back. So I'm really pumped for that. You know, where's the IT crowd lately too? I'm kind of mm. wondering about that. Is that that's kind of fell off the map? Mm. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I missed that. Hmm. I missed that. Doctor Who Christmas special was okay. <laughs> the Doctor Who Christmas special I Four thought was really good. I liked it, and I thought that it was... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sometimes the Doctor Who Christmas specials can be so intensely dark that it's 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 a, it's a little bit hard cheese. Not that I care about that, but it's it's just... It was kind of nice. This one was more balanced, It was kind of hard cheese. This was kind of hard cheese Whoa. in the... Brain blast. You know what? Doctor Who, he could be Santa. 
Because he's got the whole Time Lord thing. That's true. He's the only one I know who could actually deliver all those Everywhere gifts on one at the same time. One night. Yeah. It would just it would be nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a blue box. It's my wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's so funny having the concept of a box being your wardrobe. What do you think? I heard that uh-huh. Amy and Rory are going to be done too. They're gonna. This is no! going to be the end of their season. Oh, I. Sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. So, yeah, Amy and Rory, I don't know what you're going to do without Amelia Pond, but... Um, I don't know either. There's going to be... Uh, this I is love the, Somewhere Pond. during this next season, which is going to air between 2012 and maybe 2013, they might stretch it around a little bit. Uh, but it's it's a full season, but it's going to stretch. This is what I've heard. Oh. Um, they think it might start in April, but uh, they're definitely done. Amy and Rory both... And according to Stephen Moffat, who's a great author, I like him. He's done my favorite stories like Blink uh, episode oh, of Doctor yeah. Who. He said it's going to come to a heartbreaking end during this season. Damn. <laughs> so th- those are all the spoilers he gave. But Well, thanks apparently. Yeah. Your buzz killed my shit. <laughs> all right. I need to cheer up. Let's do the Marx end. Brothers. <laughs> my hot water's been cold for three days, and I haven't got room enough in here to swing a cat. In fact, I haven't even got a cat. My grandfather can swing a cat. Okay. Hey, that make a good job for him. Yeah. You know, outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend. Oh, inside of a dog, it's too hard to read. <laughs> We're married with a little cottage. You're standing in front of the stove. Of course, I can't see the stove. <laughs> all right, so we could just probably do lines all night, and oh we will. In fact, um, but the Marx Brothers, arguably, probably the best comedy troupe ever. Yes. I mean, I, I'm going to put that out there. I'll give it to him. No, you know, is, does that mean that Laurel and Hardy, uh, the Three Stooges, and, you know, W.C. Fields are diminished in any way? No. Right. But the Marx Brothers just are timeless. I mean, that that whole sense of, of just utter absurdity. I think it's the pure and utter insanity yeah. of what they do on screen mm-hmm. that makes it completely timeless. And yeah. the combination of characters that are involved. And I know everybody slags on Zeppo. That's why Zeppo's there. So we yeah. can all hate Zeppo because he's just not a Marx Brother the way we see Marx Brothers, you know? Right. On he's got to be a character. He's but... the straight guy. Yeah. yeah. But in reality, well, he's kind of cool. I, yeah. I don't I don't think I hate Zeppo, but I can definitely no. see where he's he's sort of the... He's just just another actor in the movie. He's not like he's not one of the marks. Yeah, yeah, one of the right. Marks, I mean, he's, he's he's kind of attached, but he's kind of not. He's he's like sort of. I mean, the Marx yeah. brothers kind of create this whole world around them. Yeah, but but then there's this rest of the story, and there's these other people, mm-hmm. and Zeppo kind of moves in between both of them. So he can True. be the love interest, or he can sing a song, or yeah. you know. But then he can also interact with them. So the other thing I would I would just say, like leading into talking about the Marx brothers, is. Word is from the Marx Brothers themselves behind the scenes, Zeppo was the funniest Marx yeah. brother. Yeah, like he was the quickest. He was like all over everything. He was just absolutely the funniest, it, but he yeah. chose to do this the straight man, mm-hmm. and, and he could actually do the parts of the other three. And he did on and, and and he did, occasion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he he could imitate uh, all of the Marx Brothers. They all physically looked very similar. And, yeah. uh, well, I mean, that's once why... you take the makeup off and everything. Well, yeah, once you take yeah. the makeup off. But... I thought that was so amazing that, that Groucho was wearing the grease paint makeup for so much of his film career. Like, I think Love Happy yeah. is the only film he did 
that that's the last film they did as a true. Where he's got an actual mustache. Where he has an actual mustache. Yeah. Everything else is grease paint. And, and that's the one you yeah. see. That's how he looks in Love Happy is essentially how he looked in You Bet Your Life. Right. For the yeah. entire run. Right. But, um, all right, well, maybe we should do a little bit Let's... of a bio. Yeah. On the Marx Brothers. Let's go to the history. Siri, who are the Marx Brothers? <laughs> Which way yeah. did Diarrhea Town, Siri? <laughs> How many were there? <laughs> Sorry, but I just got my new iPhone 4S, and I'm so happy with it. It's so fun. <laughs> okay, the Marx Brothers. So we're, we're just going to do the bio, and then we're just going to talk about yeah. the movies, because really, that's where it's yeah, at. Please. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, The Marx Brothers were born in New York City. Um, they were the sons of Jewish immigrants, and they were from Germany and France. Now, when they say Germany and France, you have to remember at that period of time, late 19th century, early 20th, Germany and France was kind of a fluid, um, <laughs> you know, like Alsace-Lorraine <laughs> and so forth. Were, it was a very fluid border. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, both sides would claim this part or that part. So you could kind mm-hmm. of be both, really, in, in, in many ways. Uh, their mother, uh, Minnie... Mm-hmm. Uh, and and their father, <laughs> I love it. Their father was uh, Samuel Marx, who was nicknamed Frenchy. Frenchy, and that's how everyone knew him. So yeah. it was like Minnie and Frenchy. <laughs> Frenchy was actually a native of of uh, Alsace, and so probably did. I, I would assume probably did speak French quite fluently. Whereas Minnie, her last name was Schoenberg, so she was probably you know very German, and um, they were a very artistic family. And the boys were all encouraged at a very early age to become, you know, to pick up an instrument, to just, you know, kind of generally be creative. So there were six Marx Brothers. There were six. Yeah. One of them died at like seven months. Like yeah. Died Manny. As a baby. Manny. Baby. And, yep. and the story goes from, from long ago, even Groucho, when asked how Manny died, said that uh, he was old age that took him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the Marx Brothers themselves didn't, weren't but, even sure if right. the kid was like a family myth or not. Right. But in fact, they did find a death certificate. He did pass away of, uh, well, essentially yeah. TB, which was... He was uh, the funniest Marx Brother. He was the funniest. <laughs> Dying of TB was <laughs> just hilarious. He, he, was, he invented the poop show. But he was the, <laughs> the firstborn uh, in uh, 1886. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was the firstborn man-child of Frenchy Marx. And... Uh, yeah, Frenchy had some spunk... Yeah. And all boys. Yep. Yeah. Every one of them. Wow. And uh, so, as I was saying, they're, uh, the the Marx Brothers were all encouraged to pick up an instrument, to be creative. They're to... usually encouraged to put it back down, too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just impossible not to think like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, of co- I, I suppose we should we should mention their real names as opposed to their character names, although well, I'm sure you're probably... So Leonard was the firstborn. <coughs> that's and correct. He's the oldest, and that's yeah. Chico. Chico. Yep. And, uh, he became... It's not Chico. I mean, you, yeah. people tend to think it's Chico because he always does this kind of mock Italian accent. Mm-hmm. But it's actually Chico because he, well, we'll get into the, the origin of their names right, later all right, on. All right. mm-hmm. So so we have Chico, who is Leonard, mm-hmm. who is the oldest. Next would yep. be Harpo, who is Adolf. Adolf. Later but, Arthur. Later Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> I, would, I would suggest that. If your name is Adolf, I would Adolf Marx. Yeah. I mean, that's just a name <laughs> guaranteed to piss off somebody. Right. I'm, um, I'm yeah. Arthur Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just don't go by Adolf anymore. Arthur. Arthur. Arthur Pewty. <laughs> but interesting that his name change to Arthur happened around 1911. So that's well before. Uh, that's true. But it's it, German. It, yeah, World War One. But World War One was growing up and it mm-hmm. was 
Well, but probably better seen. A lot of a lot of German uh, polka bands. I mean, not to be. This is really strange, but this is where Pennsylvania Dutch comes from, and, right? And the Flying Dutchman, and people are referring yeah. to the, themselves uh-huh. as Dutch rather than right. German. German. Yeah, uh, it helped avoid it's getting just in bad trouble. to see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, but but even before World War One, it's it's like when there was any large immigrant wave, there started to be pushback and prejudice and so forth so yeah like we're experiencing now with the uh mexicans essentially oh the mexicans and of course yeah. now the new the new new lower class uh eastern europeans they're oh. now so so now yeah. when you go into restaurants or walmart or whatever you'll hear a lot of <laughs> those uh, high class establishments like yeah, really high class establishments, <laughs> taco bell walmart all the classics mm-hmm. um you you know you, you now you you'll start to hear more slavic languages there's spoken. a fine line yeah. in the social hierarchy between target and walmart yeah yeah <laughs> that's right uh-huh. although it's interesting because that's what the term slavic comes from is slave because mm-hmm. they were originally slaves of the vikings mm. so we don't like to remind them of that. We don't though. like to remind them of that, but you know things do turn around. They get testy. Yeah, it mm-hmm. all comes it all comes around again. So then we have Julie, Julie, Julius, Julius. Henry, of course, Groucho. Yeah. Um, yep. and then Gummo Milton. Mm-hmm. Gummo is probably the least known yeah. of the Marx Brothers, although he played a very big role in their career throughout the so. early career and but he never did any movies he didn't do any movies but well yeah. we'll, we'll get to, to gummo later right. and then of course zeppo herbert manfred <laughs> which is an awesome handle yeah, when manfred. you get right down to it herbert yeah. manfred so we'll just refer to them by their stage names from now on but at Not least just you any know fred, what they are yeah. manfred yeah <laughs> manfred that's awesome you know chico didn't even correct people eventually about calling him chico or chico so I mean, they're almost interchangeable. No, at this it's point. it's fine. I mean, it's not incorrect to say Chico mm-hmm. either, really. Right, right. But, I mean, that's it's essentially. Uh, well, we might as well now that we're talking about, we're we might as well just say uh, he was named that because he was always chasing after the women, chicks, Chico, <laughs> you know. And so that's but Chico is fine too because he he played this mock Italian, which he he did that accent because he grew up in these tough neighborhoods where there was a lot of Italians. And so he did this to kind of make them laugh and kind of screw with them and everything. So, and Mm -hmm. fit in. Yeah. So that was, that was his shtick. That was his gimmick, which he developed, you know, now Groucho's harder. Well, let's go to Harpo first. Like obviously Harpo's Harpo because he plays plays the the harp. harp. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so that's pretty easy, but yeah. uh, Groucho. Yeah. And there's rumors that they were all named like, you'll be this and you'll be that. By I don't think it was that. Yeah. I mean, mean, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of legends trickle down. Many, many theories. But Groucho has the most theories. Like there were there were characters in in comic strips at the time called right. uh, you know Groucho and other things and um, Sherlocko the monk right and there's also yeah. there's also this bag that they would carry all their money in that they'd refer to as their Grouch bag right which you would which protect. he did admit he carried yeah yeah so he carried that uh-huh. and that was a way of traveling keeping your money not losing it yeah or getting it stolen because Groucho you. was known in his personal life as being very 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 stingy right yeah. right and he was also known as being grouchy. Mm-hmm. So that became the easier myth to perpetuate that he was just grouchy, and that's why he became known as Groucho. Honestly, but. to me, though, of the theories, um, and and you know, I've I've read one of his autobiographies mm-hmm. and you know some some things about Groucho. Um, Groucho's personal life was actually not not really funny. Right. Um, he was uh, very tight with his money. Uh, did have a drinking problem. Um, did I don't think he had that no, bad he, of a dream. I'm sorry, problem. let me correct that. 
his wives had drinking problems. Which led him to the feeling in his heart and head and in all the letters I've read that he's written to his daughters and family and friends that he might have actually had some culpability in driving his wives right. to drink. And he was he was a very a kind of depressive. His, his anger always or I'm sorry, his humor always had a, a, a very real bit of anger to mm-hmm. it. So to me, it just makes sense that he would be Groucho. Right. Yeah. You know. I I, to me, say, that's the one I would accept. He's the one that I identify with the most. Oh, Groucho <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. awesome. I've got to tell you, he's my utter and absolute favorite. Anytime yeah. that guy's on screen. I mean, and I, I think even I don't catch half the things he's saying sometimes when he's really on a binge where he's really going off about something. I feel like I could watch the movie again right. and catch <laughs> other riffs where he's being punny about someone or attacking someone right. in some way that was just happening so fast that I couldn't keep up with it. Well, it's it's like one of the the phrases that's been attributed to Groucho for so many years. Uh, I don't think people truly understood, which was um, I wouldn't be a member of any club, or I, I, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't belong to any club that would have me as a member. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he he wasn't saying that you know okay I'm such a dank or anything like that. It was because he was Jewish, and many clubs and organizations and so forth wouldn't allow Jews, you mm-hmm. know, here in America. So he was actually making a, a very real statement about it, but people didn't like didn't get that. And I hmm. love the other way of interpreting that. Like I wouldn't want to be in any club that would have me as a member. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I, but I, I, me as a member, well, I wouldn't want to be in any club. That's, I, that's the way I would take it too, actually. Right. And I always liked it. In the, what was that one in Dex Troop? Well, I've always been a little headstrong. My mother was a little Armstrong. And when they got together, that's how darkies were born. <laughs> well, and that's a riff on something else. Too. Yes, so yes. There, is, there are cu- cultural references buried in there because there is a song that was popular at the time. Yes. And yes. I think people are like, oh, my God, that's really racist. No, no. Yes, but there was a song called That's How Darkies Were Born. Right. And he was just making he fun He was just of riffing that. on that because yeah. it was a very popular song at the time, which is, <laughs> is awful when you think about it. I know. It. Totally yeah. awful. It's like, oh, another number one hit, How Darkies right, Were Born. Right, right. Yeah. They even do blackface at a couple periods. You know? <laughs> that's right. Oh, sure. I think, is it a day of yeah. the races? I think where yeah. they eventually, yeah. Hmm. And brilliant, brilliant black dancing and swing and mm-hmm. great music was introduced in that. So I think they were trying to do some cultural exposure in that. And I couldn't, oh, yeah. I couldn't get too far into into why that showed up all of a sudden. Because if you start with the early Marx Brothers, it, it's very obvious what's going on. They are a form of comedy. They're a type of humor that's utter chaos. And right. crazy, and the studios would interject leading men, leading women, and songs mm-hmm. that you had to wade through to get toward their zany acts, where right. they would all of a sudden tear the scenes down. Well, that's yeah. when when they later went uh, started to work in vaudeville. Uh, that was one of the big changes they made. It's like okay, we're a music act. They were originally a music act. Uh, with a little comedy, and then originally, then eventually it just became a comedy act with a little music, mm-hmm. and that was pretty much what their movies were as well. I think the Marx Brothers in in their first films are one of the best examples of early twentieth century Jewish absurdist theater. It, it's just like this utter chaos that that just takes place, mm-hmm. but in that chaos you get some of the best jokes, the best social commentary, the, oh, yeah. the best exposing of hypocrisy, and. It's just, it's fantastic. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It, some of the favorite scenes are when you have just Chico and Groucho sitting together, um, that whole viaduct. Oh my God. Scene That's brilliant. Where they're just sitting there with a map going back and forth and back and yeah. forth. Yeah. And, and you, you know, it's a movie, so a lot of this is in the script and everything, but a lot of it is ad lib. 
You know, they probably just say, made it up. You I would know? say in yeah. the earlier films, most of that was ad lib. Well, yeah. and, and it did pay off in dividends later for them because what they realized was we're vaudeville. We know how to do these things on stage, like mm-hmm. Animal Crackers. Animal Crackers was on stage right. originally. I think the mm-hmm. Coconuts was as well. Mm-hmm. And they would work it out on stage, then they'd film it later. Mm-hmm. And then by that time, they were so comfortable with the material that once they were rolling the camera, they could just work it and do it a little more right. uh, this way or mm-hmm. that way and try to get... And a lot of times, the Hayes Code itself and those kind of... Um, they had to be very careful what they said. You can say things right. on stage that you cannot say. In oh, a obviously, film. yeah. And they yeah. had to they had to change language all the way through their careers to to clean up the language. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and the dirty jokes because there are yeah. dirty jokes in there. Um, and there's a lot that survive. Oh, I mean, like you know, Groucho and and Chico constantly worked blue mm-hmm. on you know yeah. vaudeville and 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 even in Broadway. Actually, you know, I well, think I, I think about my dream if I were a time traveling. Doctor Who Time Lord would be to go back to vaudeville and see the Marx Brothers on a stage. How perfect would that be? Somewhere, I don't know, the Midwest, somewhere on a you know, on a train where they showed up in town and performed their vaudeville version of Animal Crackers on stage. Or better yet, the one that is missing, the spoof that is their very first film, which is a short film that that they did that is Mm -hmm. the only one that they we don't have any record of. No one can see it. Mm. Yeah, a lost the lost Marx Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. And if you have a copy, uh, yeah, release <laughs> it. For, put it on YouTube or something. I don't but, think anyone does. That one was but, called humor, humorisk, and that was uh, a spoof of humoresque, right. which was another film. Yeah. That was 1921. But man, can you imagine to see those guys on stage oh, pulling off? That some would of this be stuff? fantastic. Well, th- there's a rumor. Speaking of the the blue stuff, is that on um, you bet your life, Groucho. He had a, a, a contestant that uh, apparently she had a lot of kids or, yes, or whatever. I know the story you're referring and, to. Yeah. Uh, and Groucho asked her, you know, why do you have so many kids? And she's like, well, I just love my husband so much. <laughs> and uh, Groucho says, well, I love my cigar too, but I take it out of my mouth every now and then. <laughs> and so, the whole audience just <laughs> roars in laughter, you know. But of course, they cut it out before it hit the TV. And uh, but the rumor is that then that audience laughing became a laugh track that was used for years later. Oh, that's now, awesome! That's now, fantastic. This is a story, and I think Groucho has denied it that it ever happened. That yeah. he, that he never said that. So who knows what's true? But it certainly sounds plausible. See, that's a little no, thing about yeah. the Marx Brothers. It, it does sound plausible, and you yeah. don't really know right. because these guys would totally modify the stories. Oh you yeah, know, and, and, and oh well, yeah, oh there's so, you get a different story from Harpo, like in yeah. Harpo's autobiography, which yeah. is considered a really great uh, autobiography, but not factual. There are a lot right. of things in there that uh, yeah. Harpo doesn't quite remember right, or even Groucho got something wrong that Harpo did get right, mm-hmm. and so there is some crossover of truth. I, I've read Harpo Speaks mm-hmm. and I and I read one of uh you know Groucho and me. Uh the one I would really like to read and I do intend to read very soon is uh The Unknown Marx Brothers which was done by Chico's oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. That one sounds fascinating and just full of all kinds of possibly factual things right. but we don't really know. The one thing I can tell you <laughs> tell you for for certain is Groucho was a truly smart and amazing yes. and engaging individual and mm-hmm. he had some really great conversations and he was a voracious writer like mm-hmm. this guy would write 
anybody. And he had a lot of great back and forths. Right. And I've read a lot of his letters. I'm not really into that epistolary thing. I don't like reading letters people write to other people and that kind of thing. But I've read a lot of his letters, and especially letters he wrote to his daughter, uh, Miriam, Mm -hmm. um, daughter of his uh, first wife. And she eventually had her own health problems with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. You know, this was during the time when he had left his first wife, you know, had a second wife who was almost the age of the daughter that he had, you know. He had a lot of issues going on in his life trying to get his daughter square with him. And it was really great. And he was a great writer to her. And you could get that whole feeling of a you know father writing to his daughter about his feelings and trying to push her along into being a better person and being a good right. dad and he had so much heart and character in those letters it was just really an insight to read those and right. she published it when she was uh quite quite old she managed to collect most of the letters he ever wrote and added some notes about why they were writing about certain things mm-hmm. it could have been a little bit better the notes could have been a little bit better i could have had a better understanding of right. why they were discussing certain things but for the most part it was a really good insight into who he was because man when that guy sat down and wrote something sometimes it was just chicken scratch himself or he would even dictate to his secretaries and then they would send the letters out and uh he had really great uh correspondences with even mm-hmm. like T.S. Eliot. Right. So, so T.S. Eliot was a pretty mm. racist guy. Mm-hmm. I love his poetry, but, uh, you know, for even for his time, he was a bit racist. And yeah. here was Groucho Marx, a Jewish comedian, and T.S. Eliot writes him asking for his autograph. Wow. And huh. Groucho Marx sent him, you know, a picture and, and a nice letter back saying how flattered he was that such a great author was, you know, asking for his autograph and mm-hmm. all this great stuff about how I, I tried to read the wasteland so I'd seem more intelligent to you and, you know, <laughs> all this stuff and then reply back. And then T.S. Eliot would send a letter back to him and then he would send a letter oh. back. Dear Tom, can I call you Tom? I'd like to call you Tom. I'm going to call you Tom, you know, and, go and then, and then he'd get a letter back. I was delighted that you called me Tom. You know, it was just, it was just so interesting to, to read these back and forth letters. Um, because you could tell that T.S. Eliot just was fanatically devoted to Groucho and that Groucho's picture of all the pictures of celebrities that T.S. Mm-hmm. Eliot had was in a special place. So everyone would see that's Groucho. Wow. And at first he was upset because the picture Groucho sent didn't have the grease paint mustache. Oh. It was a regular picture. And he's like, I don't know that anyone will recognize you. Do you have anything with a mustache and a cigar? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just this big, friendly back and forth between the two oh, of them that yeah. just broke down any like racist problems or barriers. And they were just two guys getting mm-hmm. together. And then eventually, toward the end of T.S. Eliot's life, uh, they had tried for over a year or two to get together and just have drinks together because Tom wanted to get Groucho drunk. You know, like mm-hmm. They just wanted to hang out. <laughs> and I kept picturing this trying to get together. And eventually it happened. Wow. And uh, Groucho went, had dinner with T.S. Eliot, left, and wrote a giant letter to Chico explaining. It was either Chico Gummo or Zebo, But he wrote this letter explaining how his dinner with T.S. Eliot went. Wow. And it was just, wow, it's so cool that you wow. preserved that. And now yeah. we know... That your dinner went okay and you were kind of nervous about meeting sure. him. Sure. Oh, it was so fun to read oh, those letters. Yeah. I would have to say, too, that I really recommend Harpo Speaks. It's it's still in print mm-hmm. and it's he's just a fascinating guy. Again, yeah. here's a guy who like, did not speak. <laughs> a lot of people thought he was mute. Right. That honestly, he was mute, but not really yeah. at all. He did, in fact, though, have an incredibly heavy Brooklyn accent. 
So yeah. if you did hear him speak, it you know it would be almost kind of hard to understand him. But uh, he knew and hung out and could count among his best friends some of the you know literary masters of that period of time. He he was in the Algonquin Roundtable for Christ's yeah, sake. Yeah, can you explain the Algonquin Roundtable yeah. for those? Uninitiated 20-year-olds well, that don't know what the hell you're talking the about. The Algonquin Roundtable was a group of writers and intellectuals and wits that that were kind of assembled in this, this restaurant. And they had this one table, and they would just discuss things. And they would just have these incredibly witty remarks and ideas for plays and everything. So it was considered to be this, you know, this really great circle to be in. And, the, and there's Harpo Marx, you know? And... It's cool. just, just a fascinating person in, in many ways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> would, ah, that's a no good pinky. <laughs> <laughs> he would rarely shut up too, and that was yeah. the. Well, we'll get to it eventually. We should yeah. probably talk about all their movies first, and then talk about the later life careers and like, right goals well, and whatnot. We should probably just finish off the bio quickly in that Chico was uh, a very accomplished pianist, and oh, that, yeah. that's shown in many of the movies, and of course they did in Broadway and vaudeville. Yeah, I was extremely impressed with uh, Chico, Chico's piano work. Yeah, mm-hmm. me I, I, too. I hadn't I watched a lot was. of Marx Brothers before the research for the show, and uh, yeah, I, I totally enjoyed you know, when he went on the piano. Awesome. You, you hear right. stories about him, about how he would rarely really practice up these songs before he'd right. get... He'd just do it. He knew they'd be filming. He would soak his hands in really hot water to really <laughs> loosen himself up and then go out and do it. And, mm-hmm. and my favorite, my absolute favorite is how he would you know, shoot those upper keys like a gun. I mean, uh-huh. I remember when I was a kid seeing that and going, holy cow, the guy can play piano so well that he's just fucking around yeah it's like boom boom bing bing slide bang whatever yeah. it's, it's just really, the yeah. piano and of course harpo's work on the harp is is simply mm-hmm. amazing i mean he yeah. honestly could have you know played for a symphony right now as a side note uh one of the things i did uh kind of during the christmas season is uh you know go to a christmas presentation the first person to come out was uh who's the the keyboardist for the gomers Oh, um, I don't, uh, I'll, yeah. I don't know which the Gomers are a big group. There, there could be a couple people. Yeah, could be okay. okay. But anyway, one of the guys who was uh, plays keyboards for the Gomers, he just played a grand piano, just him and the piano, and he had played this Christmas melody, and it was awesome, just totally off the wall, and he was you know all over the place and changing the melodies and had a, it, it was very Chico like. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, that's, cool. that's so it it was I mean. Good stuff. Perfect. I would say I would say quickly though that with Harpo you get a lot of seriousness in his heart playing. When he's yeah. playing heart, man, he is into it. It is a very serious oh, thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. But with Chico, when he's playing piano, he's looking around, he's yeah. playing piano, he's making it look like the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. He does his famous finger slide. He does the piano gun shooting motion. Yeah. And what is the he does like a third thing that you you see it in all of it. Oh, it's the it's the back and forth finger. Yeah, uh, when, he, when he's, and he's, he's like, actually tick, playing tick, tick, like tick, uh-huh. the keys several yeah. times, several just by times flipping just it back. by flipping back and forth with one finger. Yeah. When most people, you know, you got to use all ten of your fingers. You know, right? yeah. And he's yeah. just like tick 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 tick. Your tick, piano tick, teacher, you know, ding. saying, "Oh, you have to use that finger to oh, hit that right. note." Oh, right. been so bad with him, but it was awesome and it was fantastic watching Chico play. Love Chico, the Viking princess, who plays piano. I think was truly inspired by watching someone like oh, Chico make piano yeah. look like something A really cool to do and B yeah. 
really cool way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And we should also add, too, that uh, Groucho was uh, very good on the guitar. They they didn't really feature that very much in the movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a few scenes where he picks up a guitar and starts kind of farting around. And he was also a singer. And uh, Zeppo was an actual vocalist. I mean, he he really, Mm -hmm. that was what he was known for, was singing. Yeah, Zeppo could really let it fly. But I got to tell you, in the movies, hearing Groucho start to sing a song was awesome. Groucho's singing. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, as long as I mention it, now might be a great time to just check in with the Viking princess. Okay. Okay, everyone, this is Victor. I've got the Viking princess with me. You want to say hello to everybody? Hello. And let's get down to brass tacks. You and I have screened a lot of Marx Brothers movies, haven't we? We watched all of them. I think pretty much all of them that aren't lost to history do you like them yeah okay you want to tell me just a little bit about your perspective like do you have a favorite marx brothers brother i like harpo and i don't like zeppo at all (laughs) he's a straight man in the movies yeah in the ones they let him in he he is kind of a cool guy though because of some of the things he did um, behind the scenes. So so out of the three real Marx Brothers, Chico, Groucho, and Harpo, who's your all-time favorite? Harpo, because he's the silent, funny, absolute kid funny person. Goofball? Yeah. Goofball. What Do you have a favorite movie of, of the Marx Brothers that showed his well, best side? Well, I can't really decide, but I like Duck Soup. Mm-hmm. And I forget which one of them was their all-time best ones, but I think that one was one of my favorites. I just can't get the name. What were the scenes in Duck Soup? Was there any particular scene in that one that you liked? No, I pretty much liked the whole movies. Mm-hmm. I don't like the parts in the movies where none of the Marx Brothers are on the scene and it's all like lovey-dovey and everything like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. We had to fast-forward a few singing things. You didn't like all the singing? No. Yes, I didn't either, so... That was okay with me to skip some of that stuff. They added that just so they could make it a full-length movie. So any favorite Harpo sketch that he did? Well, I like, I forget the movie, but I like the Harpo scene where I think it's Harpo and Groucho or Mm -hmm. it's Harpo and Chico, but I think it's Groucho and Harpo. But they're stuck in an elevator and Harpo has to climb up the top and he finds a shaft in between five and six. Was that in the big store when they were on the roller skates and they were running away from people? Well, it might have been in a different one. I think it was in a different one because that was where he found all the treasure and he found the harp mm-hmm. and he had this great harp thing. I like the one where he kept pulling stuff out of his jacket. That's a pretty classic. I like move. that one too. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that one was the worst Marx Brothers movie, which was I think it. Oh yeah, Love Happy. Love Happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a great one. But still fun, still worth watching, I think. Yeah. I think there's still some memorable scenes in it. Yeah, there are. I think as a character, he was really good as the dog catcher that was in Horse Feathers. Yeah, I think so too. Um, One of Harpo's things that I don't like about him is when they have him do things that aren't real. Mm -hmm. Like, you can tell that he's jumping with a zip line or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like magic. Movie magic. It's not Harpo. Mm -hmm. It's got to be Harpo making fun stuff. It can't be him flying around. Yeah, like the big store had him swinging from chandelier to chandelier to chandelier. Yeah. That's kind of silly. It Mm -hmm. was kind of cheesy, too. What about his ability to play the harp? 
I really like Chico's ability to play the piano, mm-hmm. and I really like Harpo's harp thing. Yeah. I was always happy that they would somehow find a, a harp or a piano. They they would use dumb excuses. Oh, well, we better play because we're at a party. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're there. Mm-hmm. There's a piano. I did like the movie where the piano got completely destroyed and turned into a harp. That was a pretty cool way to have Harpo find a harp. I think it was actually, I don't remember the movie, but I think that was actually a harp mm-hmm. and Chico scene, right? It was Chico playing piano and then Harpo trying and mm-hmm. being really bad and then smashing the piano. Mm-hmm. And the police are watching. And then jumping into the lake. Yeah. <laughs> jumping into the lake. That was like, well, what do you think about Groucho? Groucho, it takes me a while to get some of his jokes, but you always make funny jokes when we're walking around and it's really fun to imitate him. It's fun to walk <laughs> like Groucho, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like be like Groucho, but. And you can also make up your own Groucho jokes, mm-hmm. and it's really fun to do that because it takes a little brain to actually think about that. And they're punny jokes. Yeah, they're hard to make. <laughs> awesome. So if you were a kid, what movie would you suggest they should watch? If they haven't seen any Marx Brothers and they're going to watch just one, is there one that you think would be a good one for a family to pick up with kids to maybe watch? Well, I'd start with all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not Love Happy. Watch that last or first, whatever way you like to eat your ice cream. There's that group of five old ones like uh, Duck Soup, Horse Feathers, Monkey Business, Animal Crackers, and The Coconuts. Out of those five, I think maybe Horse Feathers or Animal Crackers might be a really good one. Which one was in Animal Crackers was Dr. Spaulding. Yeah, and... Horse Feathers was The College. Ah, uh, yes. I like the college where mm-hmm. Groucho sings, whatever you're for, I'm against it. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's a, I think that's a good one. It's got it's got the cool swordfish joke, too. I also like the day at the races. Mm-hmm. And the swordfish joke in that one is pretty good, too, because it, yeah, it's that's just a, a good joke. funny back and forth. Mm-hmm. I might have to go with that one as my favorite, but I'll, we'll, we'll think more. But okay, we'll suggest probably horse feathers or... Day at the Races or Animal Crackers. Night at the Opera has a great chase scene with Harpo that's really fun. There's some pretty cool stage things Mm -hmm. that Harpo does that Mm -hmm. are really funny too. But I think Day (laughs) at the Races for me and Horse Feathers for you. Okay. And I don't exactly remember which movie it was in, but there was the movie that they were actually in the barn Mm -hmm. saving a girl and doing all that, that was pretty funny because there's, like, one of the Marx Brothers just stuck in hay. Right, and Zeppo was doing all the fighting. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. Zeppo was the only one, and then (laughs) Harpo was riding a cow. Groucho was narrating what was going on. Yeah, and he was just, like, in the middle of the fight. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, and, yeah, and, like, he's narrating it. And Harpo's either riding a horse or a cow, I don't remember. Yeah, it was an old one. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the one where they were stowaways on the ship, too. Oh, yes. I was just and the about whole stowaway scene where they were being yeah. chased around was really great. My, I think my favorite Harpo scene is where Harpo is inside the barbershop with Chico. Oh, yeah. Going to cut the mustache off the, the guy. The boat, yeah. I think that one was my favorite, probably. I think that might have been Monkey Business. Was that Monkey mm-hmm. Business? That yeah, I think so. was one of the early so. ones we watched where they're on the big uh, cruise ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... All right. Well, thanks. I'm, I hope we can find some more Groucho Marx to watch, and maybe we should get into some other, uh, now that we've seen all of the Marx Brothers, either rewatch them or find something. 
else fun to watch. And on YouTube, you can hear Harpo talk. Yes, Harpo does speak. Did you think at first that he couldn't talk at all? No, I actually, because <laughs> at first I thought it was just part of the comedy and he'd talk some other time, but he was just going to stay like that. <laughs> and then I'm like, geez, this guy's not talking. <laughs> and then Chico would make some like jokes about Harpo not talking and then... Raucho would make some jokes, and then I'm like, okay, maybe he doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. And then I was deciding over it, and showbiz, why would you go in like that if you had no idea, like if you couldn't communicate back? But I like the Harpo bits where he's trying to talk to Chico mm-hmm. and doing the little woman move that's like two squigglies, mm-hmm. and he whistles a bunch. <laughs> yeah, and, he, yeah. and he's like, he holds his hand to his mouth and points at Chico, and like when when he gets it right, mm-hmm. and I like his hair. Yep, the red hair that you can't really tell in black and white too much, but yeah, the red. Yeah, but I just like hair. I like his outfit, especially mm-hmm. his honking thing. He's a good hobo. Yeah, hobo. <laughs> we need a honk a honking stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we might be like that for Halloween next year. Maybe that's a good costume idea. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you want to add to the to the group? Hmm. No, but if you wanted to pick a favorite character, I bet it's going to be really hard because three of the Marx Brothers are really awesome, and then Zeppo is okay, but not on film. Not on film. He's better than Gummo, though, right? I had no idea. We've never seen yeah, Gummo. Yeah, never seen Gummo. I think there's one picture on YouTube, though. Yep, there's some pictures of him, but that's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for weighing in on this very important issue of our day. Marx Brothers. Important. <laughs> very Honk. Honk. Oh, and I think we should, we should probably say, too, that uh, there is some contention about how Zeppo got his name as well. Oh, yeah, Zippo? Yeah, he was. He was, they, th- they think he was named after this uh, this chimp act that was on <laughs> after them on in vaudeville, and he was you know called Zippo the Chimp, and they didn't like... He said, oh, don't call me Zippo. Call me, you know, Zeppo. But, I mean, that doesn't really make sense either. I mean, Zippo, Zeppo, whatever. Right, so I right. think it was more or less just that Zeppelins were kind of in the news at that time. Yeah, and both of those stories got floated, and it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever. Here's Zeppo from now on. That's fine. <laughs> so we could go on to, you know. The, the... Zeppo had the coolest name. Zeppo is pretty Zeppo cool. Zeppo is a cool oh, name. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was wondering if he was named after the lighter. What, was, do those lighters go back that far? Uh, no. I don't know if they no. go. No, I don't think they do. Oh, okay. But um, And then Gummo. Gummo. Yeah, Super. Gummo was named that, they think, probably because he was always lurking around like a gumshoe detective. Mm-hmm. And he was also uh-huh. a hypochondriac, so he was always wearing galoshes, which were called, you know, gumshoes or gumshoe mm-hmm. galoshes. So that's how he got the name Gummo. But really, in the movies, uh-huh. what you had was the four Marx Brothers minus Gummo. For a series of films, and then eventually it got down to the three Marx Brothers for a series of films, right. and then it got down to you. You bet your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, Gummo was in. We could go through, you know, the whole vaudeville and Broadway yeah. stage, but you know, essentially that doesn't matter because that's Vaudeville's lost to time. Not on the internet, right? We the, you can watch these movies, and that's what we'll focus mm-hmm. on. But yeah. we will say that Gummo did not really want to appear in the movies, and he actually joined the army in World War One because he said anything would be better than being an actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but which is funny because he came back and became actually a very uh, good manager. 
and uh, a talent agent. And in fact, Groucho and Gummo handled the Marx Brothers, uh, the career for many years. Well, yeah, I mean, Groucho had his problems with his wives and he met, you know, managed to get married and divorced three times. And we'll get into Aaron Fleming probably later. But, you know, Chico himself. Chico had problems with finances because he was a gambler. He was a gambler, a yeah. huge gambler. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at one point they asked him, they said, you know, Chico, how much money have you lost to gambling? He's like, ask how much money Harpo has. And then that's how much money I've lost. <laughs> 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 and, and, and then he's also been quoted. I don't know who it was, but one of the Marx Brothers said, Chico loves actors who gamble, directors who gamble, and women who screw. Yeah. You know, that's like what he's about. That's it, the triumvirate. Right. So eventually they had to put Chico on an allowance and uh, deal with his finances that way until his death. Yeah. We'll get to that point and tell you when that happened. But he could not handle finances. And that's basically even why we have more Marx Brothers movies than we would have had had Chico done better with his finances. Because it was essentially the Marx Brothers were other Marx Brothers who were helping him out of financial problems by yeah. becoming the Marx Brothers again. Right. And yeah. that's that happens. I believe that's one of the reasons the Who went back on tour was to uh, help John Entwistle. John Entwistle. On, and of course, that worked out beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of, I love watching John Entwistle play bass guitar. Because, you yeah. know, here you have the other members of the band. and you Especially had, in the skeleton suit. Yeah, you had like <laughs> Keith Moon. You had these other people just maniacs. <laughs> maniacs all of them. Uh-huh. And then you had Ant Whistle. And he would hold that thing damn near vertical. Oh, yeah. There was a guy he, that, that I used oh, to... Oh, he was an amazing player. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he oh, played, yeah. He played lead bass. He, he, yeah. He, he, bass, he, bass. He, he wasn't just down there, you know, you know keeping the beat you know well, that's was, the thing about yeah. the who is that every one of them was a lead in it, a it, band and what they did yeah, <laughs> yeah they're all lead. lead drummer lead bass lead singer lead guitarist yeah yeah the who i don't know <laughs> third yeah. bass all right back to the marx brothers the, th- yeah. the, the thing uh uh about the marx brothers is that when they they got into movies finally uh they you know, I said they had a, a long career in vaudeville and then eventually took their act to Broadway and it was very successful. And they got to movies pretty much at the very early phases when they had just switched over to the talkies. talkies. Mm-hmm. So some of their earlier films uh, like Coconuts and Animal Crackers, you know, are in desperate need of being remastered. Because oh, there's some restoration that could happen there for yeah. sure. Which is and I, that's and I think, even possible. I don't know if it is possible mm-hmm. because I know some of the, the restoration work that they've done with, uh, for instance, Metropolis. I mean, that that was just a happy accident that that, you know, South American film uh, right, right, that they found it. And... Aficionado had this transferred copy, and they were able to restore a large part of it. But... I think that's on Netflix now. Um, I know a version of uh, Metropolis just showed up. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't checked I, it I've out. seen the restored version. And I know you have. You've it's, talked it's about it. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they've yeah. also done the same with another favorite of mine from that period of time, uh, Lost Horizon with Ron Coleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronald Coleman, I should say. And... Uh, He's it's it's it was one of those films that I always loved even as a kid, but there were these like weird gaps, and where there would they would just have a still picture, 
and then they would actually just do the dialogue over the still picture, and then boom, it would go back to the movie. Mm-hmm. While they've done a lot of cleanup of both the sound and the picture quality, there's still some missing scenes, mm-hmm. but they've done a lot to restore that. I, I would hope they could do that with uh, Coconuts and Animal Crackers. Yeah, well, you but... know, even before Coconuts and Animal Crackers, I got to mention two, well, actually three things. So there's that whole little thing they did, which is now you can watch this on YouTube, but they, they did this uh, expose of different acts, and it was the house right. that Shadows built. Right. So if you look up the house that Shadows built in Marx Brothers, you'll find this. They did a little five-minute bit with all four of the Marx Brothers, and, and it, it's pretty funny, and it's pretty quick. And uh, that's a really good little old, old, old piece of Marx Brothers. It would be great to see if that can be restored. And then the other thing would be this Napoleon sketch that they've always been known for mm-hmm. about Napoleon going off to battle the Russians. Right. And there's never been a really good version of that. So eventually, after Harpo had died and uh, Chico had died, they got Groucho to come back. Bass Rankin or Rankin Bass, the people who did right. the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer <laughs> right. animation. And uh, I love it. I watch it every year. And they did a, a Mad, Mad, Mad Comedian special where they had all these other old comedians right. do their acts, or they took the sound bites of them doing their acts and animated them. So there's right. an animated version of the Napoleon sketch, which is a really well-known old sketch of the Marx Brothers, but that's really all that there is from that um, all oh, yeah. she is, you know, thing. You know, it's funny that you should mention Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, because I have to say that one always creeped me out, <laughs> even as a kid. Oh, it um, scared me. The bumbler scared me. Oh, you, know, you know what got me? It was number one, of course, the the creepy elf that wanted mm. to be a dentist. Yeah, I mean, there was something like a little marathon man about that. And uh, of all the things that would you would have in a Christmas special, oh, and someone would want to be a dentist. Yeah, dentist. Was, I wanted to be a dentist. I love that show <laughs> too as a kid. See that yeah. always, he's an outcast. What what always upset me about he's a misfit. What upset me about that was the island of misfit toys. I mean, it had the you know the big wings. What is it, King Sky? Line. Yeah, and uh, and I just like oh this blows. I mean, you know what? And you know can, what got me? You know what got me about that is when they showed up on the shores of uh, King Moon Sky Racer, whatever his yeah. name is. They were like, "You cannot be here, for you are not a toy." I was like, "Mother." Fuck. Yeah, You're an outcast, even on an outcast island of outcast misfit outcast. Toys. I know it's, it was like a real low point. Yeah, I know in the story. you are like boom. That's the end. Oh. <laughs> well, so that's what I'm seeing. To me, it was that show was always like in a tremendous downer. But they they did uh, a remake of it. You were mentioning earlier the 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 thing remake and uh-huh. what I oh like a Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live did a remake of it. Yeah, and they, yeah, and it was sort that. of like uh, Goodfellas. Like Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, it is so funny. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> like one of the reindeer gets end up like shot in the eye. <laughs> yeah, that was good. It was that really was good. good. Uh-huh. That one I enjoyed much more. But anyway, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Interesting. So, so let's let's just go to real movies. The movies. Now, they they have um, you know a number of films that uh, they did, but. To me, the 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 studio that they worked with, that uh, the movies to me that that epitomize the Marx Brothers and are my favorite are the Paramount Years. I agree, but I'd say two things: the Paramount Years is in such need of restoration. Yeah, and well, attention. T- two of them are. Well, yeah, I think yeah. they could do a lot more work with some of those older films. Mm-hmm. And I would also say there's some great sketches in some of the newer things that they did toward the end of their career. That is true. When they were down and like, I I think that for those later films. Just seeing them in crisp 
black and white where you can yeah. really make out everything is, is kind of cool and really good to see them. I think for me, the, with the mm -hmm. Marx Brothers, what what's really in need of restoration is, yes, you're right. The picture quality needs to be to, to be updated. However, to me, it's the it's the audio track. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. because you you yeah. want to get all of those jokes, you want to get yeah. that whole riff, mm -hmm. and plus the music. The better, yes, the exactly. better fidelity, the better. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. That that really needs to be done. Mm -hmm. uh, so, anyways, with the the Paramount years, I mean, of course, we're talking about uh, Coconuts, which was 1929, right? And that was like very early talking. Yeah, and you can tell too. Oh my god! All of a sudden, they switch transitions, and it's you can tell that it just falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh I, I, this is video quality from the 1920s. <laughs> microphone in a Literally. can. Exactly. Exactly. Uh -huh. Mommy. Mommy. <laughs> it's like a Roger Corman film. Or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. It kind of has that same effect. It's like the boom mic is way over here. <laughs> or wasn't it how they said that uh uh, the Kingsman was talking about how Louie Louie was done, was that it was done in a garage and the drummer was doing the vocals and the mic was way the hell over on the other side of the room. So you could barely hear what he was talking about. <laughs> but, you know, they they <coughs> they worked this one up. It's an adaptation of what they did on stage. Yes. And then they, they did it. And they didn't understand edits at the time where no. they would like, we'll finish this scene and then you stay in those positions and we'll come back. I mean, no. they would be turned around. And no continuity. Be, <laughs> continuity. I would hate to be continuity on this because you'd have a big black mark by you. But when you're watching it, it doesn't matter. They set no. up the sketch and you go. And the coconuts was a, it was a pretty good one. Oh, yeah. And, and Animal Crackers is, of course, I think best known for the song Hooray for Captain Spaulding. Captain Spaulding was a great character. Mm -hmm. And we, we've got to mention right now Margaret Dumont. Yes. Margaret Dumont is a brilliant, brilliant actress. Yes. And I know Groucho said on stage when he accepted uh, an honorary or, you know, whatever those are. Lifetime Grammy, achievement. Lifetime achievement. Yeah. That, that she never understood his jokes. I think she really did. I think she totally got his jokes. I yeah. mean, cause she, there's no way that you would be <laughs> in those movies and take that kind of abuse unless you really enjoyed it. Right. Well, also, there's this Hollywood special, Hollywood Bowl or Hollywood Paradise special mm -hmm. where literally two weeks or three weeks before she died, she got on stage with Groucho to recreate the Animal Crackers Captain Spaulding scene. Right. The Captain Spaulding entrance and then all the way through the song scene right before her death. And you could tell the whole time they're doing it, she's oh. laughing and she knows sure. where she her totally line knew. points are yeah. and what she's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And at one point he's like, you know, don't fall over the only laughs I'm going to get. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she's having fun with it. Well, she's, I mean, and Margaret Dumont is is this very stately woman and she has this kind of, you know, very upper class kind of quavery voice. I mean, she's the perfect yes. foil. Yes. She's the perfect straight. She thrills her arms oh, yes, and talks. <laughs> yeah, she's got it down. Oh, President Firefly. <laughs> oh, Captain Spock. <laughs> it's always that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't require much. No, but but I mean, she did it so well. Oh. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't see the Marx Brothers movies and not really yeah. appreciate the role that margaret dumont played you know what's also great about her is the way everything rolls off oh, her character yeah she doesn't care you know the fact that she just got slammed 12 times by groucho yeah about her weight or whatever uh -huh. or, yeah her height or how big she is or whatever it is um that he's just going off about or yeah. how rich she is or how he's going to steal money from her it's just <laughs> oh 
what's the next thing? <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is I love you. And it's just like, you know, he just like ripped on her three or four times <laughs> exactly. in a row. Because she'd make a face and then she'd forget about it. And exactly. that was her role and she did it really, really, really well. And they used her throughout their career. I love you. I love you anyhow. I don't think you'd love me if I were poor. I might, but I'd keep my mouth shut. I'll meet you tonight under the moon. Oh, I can see you now. You and the moon. You wear a necktie, so I'll know you. Oh, and you know, and I have to say that I'm a huge fan of like Art Deco and those type of that period of time. Oh, yeah. And you know, so part of me just loves watching movies like this. Just if nothing else, just to look at all the the. Oh. The, oh, the yes. furniture, the, the architecture. And, yeah. Oh, my God. But, you know, they built the, the, these movies all feel just so constructed. Like they just built the movie so the guys could come in and tear it apart. But yeah. then they had to have their singers doing their singing. You know, whoever's right. popular, you know, it'd be like having your Justin Timberlakes or your Lady Gaga's come in right. and do a singing yeah. part. And but see, that's that would what be I, the end of it. That's what I liked about the Paramount films, though, the most was because. They were such loose constructs. Uh-huh. So, yes, you did have like a kind of a romance story, usually involving Zeppo. There'd mm-hmm. be a song or two and there'd be kind of like at an, least it was kept in house because it was Zeppo. It was it was a <laughs> it was a flimsy plot at best. Yeah. But it was mainly just like, OK, and you're on. Mm-hmm. You know, and they would just come in and tear the place apart. And mm-hmm. that that's what I loved about those films. So then after Animal Crackers, their their third film was Monkey Business. And that was 1931. And now, Monkey Business was the first movie written for the screen. Yes. That was not an adaptation. That's right. That This was the first Marx Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, obviously, they had they had been together as a group for years. So, I mean, they knew each other's timing. They mm-hmm. were very creative. and Well, great movie. They could just... Monkey Business was a great Monkey movie. Monkey Business is, is one of the big ones. So, I think that's a great... That's a great introduction. I mean... For people who are like, yeah, I must see everything. Yeah, go to the beginning. Go to Coconuts. Yeah. Go to Animal Crackers. Then go to. Then you can see the progression of. Yeah. You know, writing for the stage, having the studio produce something for the screen, and then moving on. Oh yeah. Through the Irving Thalberg sections, but but Monkey Business was really funny and well filmed, and oh, yeah. a much better um, uh, product. Like it has survived well on DVD. Yes, so. it has, and I mean it's 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 one of those movies that. You know, it starts with them as stowaways singing in barrels. Yes, all of them. Singing. All of them, including Harpo, although you can't see him. He does the tenor. <laughs> and that movie, from, from the very beginning, just starts at 60 miles an yeah. hour. And, and you, you do have to survive through some of the uh, sexism of the Harpo chasing girls, because... This is something that happens well, in the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. I guess and... it's sexism, but I mean, it's yeah. funny. It's I mean, funny. Yeah. It's That's funny. what guys do, though. I mean. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like he was doing, you know, you know, Hong Kong noises when he was trying to touch their boobs or anything. Tune he was, in Tokyo. He was just running running after him. And it was right. funny. It was but I mean, funny. go in any high school boys locker room. And I mean, yeah. what are they talking about doing? <laughs> You'll yeah. see worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It's, a, it's a kind of thing that, uh, of the times that you notice. Yeah. When you're watching, you're like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. You know? Oh, sure. But I mean, I would have to say the Marx Brothers had much less racism and sexism than, say, the Little Rascals. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Little Rascals absolutely. was a children's short. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. They were all over yeah. the road mm-hmm. with. I mean, I think we've we've talked about the the spanky and stymie with the wishing lamp. 
uh, or the I'm sure Aladdin's lamp. And, you know, I mean, that scene alone, it's like, holy Christ, how did that get out? <laughs> I'm buckwheat. <laughs> I'm buckwheat, you know, damn it. You, when I was in the hospital, you gave me that Rolling Stone article with that uh, big interview with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And it just reminded me how much I love Eddie Murphy. Oh, God. And yeah. how much I'm glad. Like, I haven't yeah. seen Tower Heist yet, mm-hmm. but how much I just truly, truly enjoyed Raw. And his stand-up at the time. Yes. And his Saturday Night Live work at the time. And his buckwheat. And, I mean, all the stuff that he had brought to the table. Oh, yeah. From then to now. I just, a huge Eddie Murphy fan. And it was just fun to read an article where Eddie Murphy's like, yeah, I'm an old man now. I, here's what I'm doing. Yeah. It's just, I felt like I haven't heard from him in, like, 20 years. Too long. Mm-hmm. Too long. I think. Way too I, long. I, th- yeah. I think he went through a period in the 80s where he was overexposed. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of burnt him out. Well, and, and he did all the fun family stuff. And it's okay for me to see him do a fun Dr. Doolittle or right. whatever the fun thing is where he puts on a fat costume and does, you know, the Nutty Professor or whatever. Oh, but yeah. I miss the old Eddie Murphy that me too. I remember from a kid who was just... <sighs> Awesome. Although I'll say this, I have a much easier time watching Eddie Murphy go from Raw to Dr. Doolittle or um, The Nutty Professor than I do Ice Cube going from, you know, singing Predator and then doing, you know, Are We There Yet? Part 27. I mean, that one's hard to fucking take. I swear it's like a gauntlet that tough guys have to run through, like The Rock and yeah. what, who's the triple X, Vin Diesel. You know, oh, yeah. I'm a tough guy in Hollywood. You must do a children's show. Yeah, you, yeah. you appease the five-year-old. Yeah, you know? Schwarzenegger <laughs> did one like that, too, or a couple, I think. It's not the tumor. Yeah. I'm pregnant. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, twins suck. <laughs> twins, yeah. Not twins. Um, um, the uh-huh. one where he was where he was pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Twins was actually pretty funny. You know, I saw twins in Russia. <laughs> Oh my god! It was, it was dubbed into Russian, <laughs> oh, and I was drinking some vodka, and it was fucking awesome. But I bet yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kindergarten Cop, you have to admit, was pretty damn funny. You oh, gotta yeah. love Danny DeVito. Yeah, no, about twins. Yeah, you <laughs> but, have to love Danny DeVito. If you but now, to this now getting about uh, back to chasing woman. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of Danny the, DeVito, the, uh, <laughs> over. Uh, over the Christmas break, uh, I watched again uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan. Okay, and uh, I watched the Great Mu- Muppet Caper. Yeah, oh. over the break, so it was a Muppety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had the kids and the nephews and all that watching it, and the scene they last laughed the most about is where the the Muppets are on stage, an animal takes off after this woman in the aisle in the theater and just chases after and it's going like woman woman woman, woman. <laughs> and you know and so i'm kind of thinking well how much of this is kind of based on what you know harpo did and it's and, possible and, yeah, i mean there's yeah. lots of i, I guess to references. me the the favorite uh uh, some of my favorite Marx Brothers references in modern times are Rob Zombie's movies, mm-hmm. where all the this uh, like House of a oh, Thousand Corpses, Captain Spaulding, Captain Spaulding uh, one of them is mm-hmm. like Otis, <laughs> Otis Peter yeah. Twin. I almost don't even like it. It's so dark, <laughs> <laughs> so dark yeah. to have Captain Spaulding be that guy. <laughs> like the evil. Really? That's Captain Spaulding, a mixture of John Wayne Gacy, oh. you know, and all. Uh, yeah, that's tough. You know, I, yeah. I gotta say also like Bugs Bunny. You know, Slick Hair is an old uh, Bugs Bunny episode where, and Bugs Bunny is just a caricature of Groucho anyway. Yeah. But at a a point in that cartoon, he gets a carrot and he's running around like Groucho Marx with the mustache and eyebrows. That's true. I mean, there's, there's, uh their their influence is huge. It is a huge, huge influence. What kid didn't have the little glasses and nose and mustache? The old GM 2020s. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I still got a pair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it is truly only because. 
they are fucking awesome. Yeah. Like the Marx Brothers yeah. themselves are awesome. So that's just what it is. All right. So anyway, Monkey Business Monkey was Business. the third film. And this is in the Paramount epoch. Um, and it's it's just great when they're on the ship and they, they do they do so many routines. Oh. Uh, Chico Hot. plays the, the piano beautifully. Mm-hmm. Harpo plays. Uh, and the comedy is just dead on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the barbershop scene. My one of my favorite scenes is when they when they rip off Marie Chevalier's passport and all try to get off as Marie Chevalier. <laughs> and you know, think of it. it. It's almost like an homage to like the Muppets. Did, have you have you guys seen the Muppets movie, the new Muppets movie yet? No, I am going this Not weekend. Yet, though. You're going. You're yeah. Going, all right. I won't even say it, but I mean, I, there's a barbershop scene, and you wonder how many of these things are homages oh, back to that old. It's got. I mean, be. it's a classic move. Yeah. The barbershop scene. Oh, you Get him in the barbershop yeah. thing, and I'm gonna take a little bit off of this side. Yeah, a little snoop. A little snoop. A little snoop. You take a little yeah. snoop off of the other side because <laughs> no, that's no good. Oh, it's no good. You take a snoop off of this side. I mean, it's just so fun. It is fun. Uh, yeah, great, great film, great film. And uh, of course, uh, their next film, Horse Feathers, from 1932. Uh, where they really parody the college system and education. He's Professor Wagstaff. Whatever you're for, I'm <laughs> against it. it. <laughs> it's played a Republican. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful. It, the, it starts on that song, the "Whatever You're For, I'm mm-hmm. Against It" song. That's right. I mean, well, you know, right away when they have all these stiffs and they're all in, you know, the mortar boards and the gowns and everything, and they're looking just totally tight, that this is like the perfect venue. Yeah. And then Groucho comes in as the head of the college. With the <laughs> mortar board, with the cigar. Oh, my God. There are you c- must put that cigar out. <laughs> I, won't, I won't have any diving for butts in this university. <laughs> and then Zeppelin goes, where's my son? <laughs> right here, Dad. And this woman's like sitting on his lap, and he can't even see him. <laughs> he's going out with a college widow i mean that so, yeah and the whole the whole plot of that movie is groucho's there to ruin the college basically because zeppo's womanizing while he's there oh yeah and then they end up getting involved with mobsters one of my favorite scenes and what makes it one of my favorite films is it takes place kind of during the prohibition and they're making fun of prohibition yes, huge. and there's the whole speakeasy scene mm, oh with, what's the password <laughs> <laughs> and then when they get to Harpo, it's of course the password is swordfish. Swordfish. But Harpo can't speak, so he pulls out a fucking swordfish sword and puts a sword down its throat. Like, and he could pull anything but, out of his then, jacket. Then they, get, then they get switched around, and then uh, she goes, like, Let me in. What's the password? Swordfish. I got sick of that. I changed it. <laughs> so funny. So good. That whole swordfish password thing. Like, oh. if ever I'm goofing around with passwords. Swordfish comes up. Oh yeah! It's, you know when I saw the movie Swordfish, I was thinking about <laughs> Marx Brothers Swordfish password. Oh, I, I will say this: uh, going back to Monkey Business for just one scene that mm-hmm. I did forget is there's one in the stateroom where Groucho is putting the moves on. Well, actually, they all kind of interact with the passengers randomly and accidentally oh. because mm-hmm. they're all running from the ship's crew because they're stowaways. So he ends up in this uh, gangster malls. Uh, stateroom and she's this attractive blonde and everything and he keeps like running in her closet and then oh, coming yeah. out and everything and that's when he comes out and he actually starts playing the guitar you know she said no I want to live I want to go I want to ha cha 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 and he starts playing so I just I had to mention that because that that is one of my favorite scenes from monkey business too yeah no one poorly woos a woman like Groucho 
Oh my god, no doubt. <laughs> Horse Feathers is great because there's a like a climactic football game where the Marx Brothers just like tear the game apart. Oh yeah. I mean running down the field throwing banana peels in front of the <laughs> <laughs> players. Yeah. Horse feathers that marked really high. Like if I had to rate rate him, that would be probably my number two. Well, and and the thing is, is that that Harpo, you know, starts to get known in these movies for like he'll pull literally any like like Tor was saying, literally anything out of his coat. Like when he's trying yeah. to go out as Marie Chevalier, of course, the, every one of them tries to sing like Marie Chevalier and mm-hmm. they all say, ah, oh, you're not Marie Chevalier. Well, then when Harpo comes up there, he's actually got a tiny little crank radio, uh, uh, phonograph on his back playing, you know, if a mockingbird can sing like you. <laughs> well, you know, they did, that, they did that gag. That's the gag that surrounds the whole um, the whole I'll Say She Is sketch they did. Right. And, and he comes in, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he just whistles it. And, oh, yeah. that solves the problem. But you know, I got and I gotta say uh, that that film that that film that's missing, uh, which would be just just imagine yourself as a giant Marx Brothers fan, which I hope you all are or would mm-hmm. be at some day. I mean, please email us at feedback at com if you think we're being ridiculous and you think there's no humor here because I'd love to hear what your top comedy troupe would be. Yeah, if you don't consider if it's these not guys the, Marx Brothers, the Marx Brothers, who then? Yeah, who then? I mean. If it's the Stooges only and not the Marx Brothers, well, that's an interesting dichotomy. But what I would say is that first movie that is lost, and we don't know exactly why it's lost. There's rumor that uh, it was left in a print box and got thrown away. Mm-hmm. That the the reel itself was just thrown away at the theater and never seen again. There's also rumors that Groucho was so upset with it that he burnt it. You know, and that's fun and romantic to think that he would just light it on fire. Yeah, no one will ever see away. this again. <laughs> and possible as well. But uh, also, the story revolves around Harpo being the hero and Harpo winning the girl, and Groucho being the evil bad guy who eventually ends up uh, with a. You know, ball and chain, and you know, right. going off into the sunset with Harpo getting the girl, and it's just an interesting idea for a movie that never that type of concept never mm-hmm. really happened from the second movie on. Groucho was always in his own world, generally, right? Sometimes with Harpo, sometimes it was Harpo. It was usually Harpo Zeppo. And Groucho was never a bad guy. He would always end up teaming up with the guys. One of them or both right. of them right. in but some not cases. Har- but not Harpo getting the girl. No. And Groucho going to jail as in, a villain. In, in fact, it was, you know, Harpo Harpo was chased after the woman, but the woman, ne- he never caught the woman. Right. Even yeah. to the very end. That's right. And no, in between this period of time, there's something I just have to mention because um, I'm really a huge fan of old radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things um, I... You know, get Sirius XM and they have a channel that's nothing but old radio programs. And I, I just adore it because I just love, you know, the 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 Foley artist work and and, you know, the dramas and it, it, or or anything like they have like original Green Hornets. And, right. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Anyways, about this time, uh, Chico and Groucho did a radio comedy series called Flywheel, Shyster and Flywheel. Do we cheat him and how? Do we cheat him and how? That's right. <laughs> and I mean, that would, the Marx Brothers on radio, if that only existed, but of course it doesn't because mm-hmm. that was lost. Mm-hmm. However, they found copies of the scripts in the Library of Congress, and Marx Brothers impersonators have done it for BBC Radio. So it is possible to hear what it sounded like. And I, I have listened to it, and I have to say, it's 
fantastic. I need to hear that. Yeah. How do I get that? <laughs> you can if 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 you just put in flywheel shyster and fly a flywheel, you, it will pull up. All right. And then their last film with Paramount was Duck Soup, nineteen thirty three. To me, my favorite Marx Brothers movie. Well, hail Fredonia. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. And the and the fact that Fredonia, New York sued the Marx Brothers because <laughs> they said that their movie was making their town look bad. So Fredonia's uh <laughs> in the movie it's F R E E D O N I A. Right. And in the town it's F R E D O N I A. Yeah, they don't even spell it the same. What was it? The, the, yeah. I was trying to remember what the name of the opposing nation wasn't it like Sylvania or something? Yeah, or? yeah Sylvania, like the TV, but well, spelled yeah, like the TV or but the radio different. at that time. Yeah, so it was like Fredonia versus Sylvania. They do make, and I, yeah. I searched immediately. They do make flag shirts for Halo. Oh. They make Fredonia T-shirts. That wow. would be perfect. Yes, I would. Proudly I would fly. fly a Fredonia flag. I would too. In my freaking yard. I would yard too. To and if people say, well, what is that? It's like, it's <laughs> obviously the flag of Fredonia. I would start singing the official Fredonia song. Yeah. Hail, hail, hail Fredonia. Fredonia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that movie, th- there was a great scene in a Woody Allen movie. I'm trying to remember what th- one it is. I, I want to say it's Hannah and her three sisters, but it's one of his mm. later films. Anyways. Woody Allen plays a really depressive suicidal guy. You know, go, hey! go figure. Whoa. What? Whoa, breakthrough. Yeah. So anyway, see this movie. He's like, he's what like, is this? Woody Allen? Is that his name? <laughs> he's trying. To, yeah, he's trying to find all these ways to find meaning in his life. So he tries to become Catholic, and he and so it's like they show him, and he's and he's got like this huge Virgin Mary statue, and he's eating ma- a lot of mayonnaise on his bread and stuff like that. <laughs> And, and and then he gets all depressed because he doesn't really find what he's looking for, and he gets really suicidal. And then he ends up, uh, you know, he's going to, like, throw himself off a bridge or something. Anyways, he ends up going to a movie theater, and he said, and this movie came on, and I just started thinking how absurd life is. And meanwhile, this this whole dialogue, you know, his inner dialogue is playing. Meanwhile, on the screen, they're playing Duck Soup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I just thought, yes, that would convince you not to kill yourself just because it's all <laughs> just that silly and that random. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. It you know showing the uh, politics between the two countries. Oh, yeah, you know it's it's all slapstick. It's all humor. It's fantastic. But you know what? It's not that much different than real life. Oh, and you know one of the guys yeah. when when they're doing the the trial uh, played Ming the Merciless in the Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah, in the original black and white Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. I oh. wish I would have noticed that. Oh, you oh, will. Yeah. I mean, if you watch it and you and you wait for it and you say, "Oh, that's yeah. totally Emperor Ming." Now, because of Queen, none cool. of us should probably be watching the original. We Flash! should. We should stick <laughs> with oh! the Queen version. <laughs> Is this really? <laughs> oh, you gotta watch it all. And, well, there's more than one. I mean, there's like a TV version and a film reel version. There's, and, the, yeah. there's some, yeah. There's some. I remember. Yeah, I still watch the Queen version. Oh yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, yeah. You know. Well, let, let's. There's uh, stuff I probably can't say on air, but there's reasons to watch that movie. Oh, and I think I know just where you're going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dale. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dale's got yeah. it going on. And so does Ming's daughter. Yeah, I was going to say Ming's yeah. daughter. Yeah, she's yeah, a bit yeah. harsh, though. <sighs> with the dying of the I'd people. I'd pay her 100 bucks <laughs> to kick me really hard with high heels. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, she has some hard heels. <laughs> In any case. Anyway. Yeah. Duck Soup is one of those movies where you can literally watch this dozens of times and get something new out of it. It's yeah. it's It's the Marx Brothers, to me, at their peak. That's why I like the Paramount period is because 
you just let them unleash. But it was a failure yeah. in the box office. It was a failure at the box office, which is is funny when you think about it, because mm-hmm. now it's like one of the. I, I think it's. It was named one of the top. Uh, well, obviously, in the Marx Brothers films, many mm-hmm. of them made it to the top 100 films right, in the right. Library of Congress. But I think Duck Soup is like within the top 10, is it not? Right. Or... Duck Soup is your go-to. It's assumed to be the high. Yeah. You know, but quite yeah. honestly, as someone who knows them all, I don't think it's their greatest. But I do think it's really, really great for what it's doing. Right. You know, and I yeah. love it. I think it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, so what, what was that word you called me? Uh, was it Baboon. <laughs> No, it was a seven-letter word. Upstart? Upstart. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't deal with this. What, now, they have, the, <gasps> they have the duck soup in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But is there a symbolism with the duck soup? Is it, is well, here, it that here, it's so crazy Gra- that, that I think, we're... I think Groucho explained it. He said, you throw, you throw some cabbage, you throw some duck, you, or you throw some cabbage, yeah. you throw some... This you throw some that you throw some that into a soup and you'll duck soup the rest of your life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was some absurdity like that. Like you throw this, that, the other yeah. thing, you'll duck soup the rest of your life. Well, plus the the scenes where, right. um, and of course you got to go into some of the character names. You could just look up the character names that that they had in the movies. Like you know, of course he was. Uh, well, I mean, it was like you know Otis B. Driftwood. He was uh, um... that's Quentin Quayle, yeah, which is jailmate, <laughs> yeah, and that got him, that caused a stir at the time, right? And uh, Rufus T. Firefly. <laughs> I mean, and th- yeah. those are those are so funny because uh, you know in and of themselves, but then like Harpo and and Chico have different names too. And I always loved uh, when uh, the the ambassador to Sylvania would say, where are my spies? Send in Pinky and Chico. Pinky and Chico. Yeah. And these guys come in and just dick with him. He said, that's yeah. no good. It turned out there was no baseball that day. He was gone. And Harpo's like oh, cutting man, everything in oh. half with his scissors. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That is hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah. And then there's, and the, a, there's a scene where He's like dicking with the street vendor. The lemonade stand. The lemonade guy. Stand. Yes. I mean, that, that's like the total mo is just to screw with people, you know, just, just mess with them totally. Yeah. yeah. Like for instance, like Chico's got a peanut stand, and he's just out there going nuts, nuts to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other serious guy comes over and he and Harpo keeps like destroying his hat. Yeah. And then he yeah. did something like he totally dumped over Harpo's, you know, nutstand. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes over and he's got lemonade and he just rolls up his pantlets and he's just like kicking his feet in his lemonade. <laughs> and the guy's like trying to serve his customers and, and all of a sudden they all walk away. Oh, God. And they're like, why are they leaving? And then he sees Harpo in his <laughs> lemonade tank. Yeah. Well, anyways, when, was... when the the town of Fredonia, New York, uh, was pissed oh, off, yeah, that's right. He said, "Well, you know, your your uh, your movie is hurting our town." And Groucho fired back, "Your your town is hurting our picture." <laughs> <laughs> town is hurting. You know, he had a long, like a, a seriously long back and back and forth exchange with Warner Brothers Pictures too. Yeah, because Warner Brothers was saying that, oh God, what film was it that Warner Brothers was suing him over? That they said we will block the release of this film, uh, A Night in Casablanca. And we're yeah. jumping forward, but whatever. We'll go back to right. this Paramount time. But Night in Casablanca, they were like, you know, you you can't use Casablanca in your film. They were like, well, Casablanca has been a city for a long time, and 
Yeah. Our film is its own story. And by the way, we're, we were the Marx Brothers long before you were the Warner Brothers. Right. Yeah. So we're going to sue you for the use of the word Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and they replied, just not sure exactly if he was kidding or not. Right. And then he replied, you know, he went back and forth several times with them, like telling them. And then they were like, well, please tell us what the plot is of your film so we can be sure that you're not encroaching on uh, Casablanca, the film. And he's like, well, the main plot is I run a, a, a hotel in Casablanca called Rick's Americane where a beautiful woman comes in and I recognize her and he just gives the plot of Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> and he sends it back to them saying that's what the plot is. Like he was just messing with them yeah. and having such fun with it. And all these letters still exist. <laughs> but yeah, they, they made A Night in Casablanca much later and actually very successful very good film actually mm-hmm. oh yeah but yeah absolutely yeah. actually <laughs> a night in casablanca was the very first marx brothers movie i saw as a kid yeah. and it made me want to see you know other movies and go back it's and the first one i saw too yeah yeah it just yeah. It was just a fun movie and well mm-hmm. in any case uh so they the marx brothers left paramount well, 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 wait, wait, wait wait let's say duck soup Duck Soup is a war film. It's an anti-war film. Oh, it's about the ridiculousness yeah. of war. Yeah. Like all these other movies, there's a lot of like Animal Crackers has the painting that's being stolen and mm-hmm. all that uh, hijinks ensue stuff. Right. Fredonia is this crazy country, yeah. Fredonia versus Sylvania and an anti-war all oh. the way up to the end. It goes yeah. right to the very last building of a war. Yeah. And it's yeah. very absurd and silly. And and, it just, but, but it's really based on, uh, uh, you know, World War One and why mm-hmm. it's, you know, just someone being offended by someone else and you start this big war. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's what they do in and the it, movie to show how ridiculous that was. It's kind of interesting that Duck Soup came out the same year that Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, too. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, oh, he didn't really. do any harm. No, no, no. Yeah. He was just trying to do right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... So the the Marx Brothers left Paramount um, because they they wanted to to have them do different kind of movies, you know. So there was like creative differences, and also um, well, and the failure Param- of Duck Soup itself. So yeah. you know, it didn't bring in the box, so they were letting them go. Yeah, basically that's what it came down to. So then uh, they worked their their final movies were uh, in between uh, MGM, RKO, and, of course, United Artists. But this is where they hooked up with Ir- Irving Thalberg, right? Irving Thalberg, the great Irving Thalberg. Uh, and we should also mention, too, that at this time, Zeppo left the act and the movies and actually teamed up with Gummo mm-hmm. and set up a huge Hollywood talent agency. So they both became agents. So they kind of went behind the camera. And, and I got to tell you, between me and the Viking Princess, we didn't miss... Zeppo that much. It was okay to have just a stand-in yeah. for Zeppo. It's it's totally fine. It didn't matter. It didn't it, like yeah. on, on, honestly on screen, Zeppo didn't do anything ever. Like really, on not screen, really. He made no jokes. He made no fun. He barely had a straight man was, presence. Yeah, but it makes you wonder was, why the brothers he thought he was so damn funny. I know. I mean, because that's what kills me. It's like you see him and he's like this kind of stiff. Is this wasting? You know? Yeah. Precious talent. I mean, so what was he like behind stage? And when he's oh, just like yeah. fucking around? And mm-hmm. yeah, for whatever reason, that never translates to the screen. Never. So that, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. Never at all. Chico did some radio at this time, and they were they were kind of thinking maybe, well, we should go back to the stage in, in one form or another. And uh, they got a contract with MGM, and Irving mm-hmm. Thalberg uh, was a huge advocate of them at yeah. the studio. But he wanted—and and I, and I don't 
I want to say that I, I don't think there's anything wrong with these films at all. I, I don't hold them as dear as I do the Paramount films, mm-hmm. but they had more of a story structure right. to them. I would say don't count them out. I think they're fantastic. So I think there's some really, real great gems here. We'll talk oh, yeah. about them. Yes. And then there's a bit of a downfall, and then there's a bit of a pickup, and then there's a downfall again. Yeah. They're not all in the same category, but I think Irving Thalberg was a giant proponent of the Marx Brothers and a great friend of Chico's. And uh, he really, really, really pushed the troupe. But the problem with Irving was, and he's a whole other show in and of himself, really. He's a great Hollywood promoter. He had a giant health problem. Yeah. He had a bad heart. He was always very sickly. Yeah. And he knew it. And he pushed himself and everyone very, very hard. Um, and he died very, very early. So in the beginning of the filming of Day at the Races, was it? That mm-hmm. he actually died within yeah. a month he, or so he, of filming? He, he died a very young man. Mm-hmm. Uh, an incredibly young 37 man. 37 or something? Yeah. And he was, um, he was an incredibly powerful person for his age at mm-hmm. that studio. Uh, in, in fact, uh, you know, at the Oscars every year, there's an Irving Thalberg Award for directing. Right. And that's it was always funny. That was uh, Steven Spielberg got the Irving Thalberg Award before he got an Oscar, which was always kind of funny. You know, what's interesting about Irving Thalberg is, you know, he's like, well, why why isn't your name on more of your pictures? Mm -hmm. Someone asked him and he said, you know, if I have the choice to put my name on something, it doesn't mean as much. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. So he didn't give himself credit. And he tried to avoid giving himself credit wherever he could because he just honestly didn't feel like he was in charge of it. it. It had any meaning at all anyway. He was a huge creative force at, oh, at MGM. And in fact, I think in many ways you could say, you know, led to the golden age of mm-hmm. MGM. Yeah, yeah. So, you but know. But he died quite young and young. because of a rivalry between him and someone else, they it affected the Marx Brothers quite severely. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't get as much attention as they should have. Right. And it all of a sudden they became second rate very quickly mm-hmm. after the Thalberg's demise. Right. So 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 I would I would think the flagship film of the Thalberg period would would have to be 1935's A Night at the Opera. Oh, Day at the Races? I did the races. I, okay, you think? Uh, yeah, you're probably right. I, I mean, well, no, I, I waffle so much on these. I know of a day at the races is is a very. I mean, I would really honestly put them at the same level. Mm-hmm. But I think that 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 the the uh, the stateroom scene is is uh, is well, like a comedy classic. Now, and now, the did these movies inspire the, the Queen race? albums. A night at the <laughs> opera and a day at the races. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you're probably. right. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 the Harpo chase scene at the end of Night at the Opera. Yeah, I mean it's not quite super absurd, but it's really great. Right. Yeah. There's so much going on Night at the Opera. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I guess I would play Night that. at the Opera with the great Kitty Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the villain, uh, the villain himself was quite good in Night at the yes. Opera yes. compared to the villain. And there were some repeat villains, not as much as there was. A repeat Margaret Dumont character, mm-hmm. but uh, the villains, a couple of them, did have repeat roles from Day at the Races into later right. movies. A Day at the Races is a very good film. I don't want to take anything away from that. I just I think that A Night at the Opera is probably one of those that that uh, always gets remembered because of that stateroom scene. And it does, you it know, does. and and that one was was brilliant. You know, mm-hmm. I would call room service. I need a bigger room. <laughs> <laughs> yep, A Day at the Races, I think is. 
I mean, the fact that it takes place in a sanitarium is in and of itself like one of those things that, my God, why didn't you do this before? Oh, you know, that was the other thing is, you know, this character that he played, Hackenbush. Hackenbush, that's right. <laughs> which was, it was going to be Quackenbush, mm-hmm. but they, they looked up and they found that there were actually doctors Called named Quackenbush. Quackenbush yeah. And they thought they could be sued. <laughs> so they ended up with Hackenbush. Um, but that was his favorite character. That was Groucho's favorite character. I, I don't doubt that at all. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. Um, I, I was surprised because he's played so many different similar characters. I mean, they're all similar. Mm-hmm. You would think that Captain... I would have guessed like Captain Spaulding would have been his favorite character. I geez, I would have thought Rufus T. Firefly, but yeah. you know, or or uh, yeah, yeah. I, but but it's interesting. Like, yeah, I Hack mean, Bush is hey, his you're favorite. playing it. You tell me, right? So <laughs> it makes me kind of say like Day at the Races might rank higher for me because knowing Groucho sees Hackenbush as one of his greatest achievements. As oh, a absolutely. Character. And um, so then you know they did room service in 1938 mm-hmm. and RKO. Which is, you know, RKO put out a lot but, of really oh, interesting films. I don't want to give short shrift to this. There's a scene in Day at the Races that I absolutely adore. Okay. And that's the, get your Tootsie Fruitsy ice cream, <laughs> ice cream, Tootsie Fruitsy ice cream. <laughs> and Chico's selling ice cream and Groucho's there to try to bet on a horse. Mm-hmm. And Chico's going to sell him the books that'll help him buy Right. The right horse ticket. And it's an awesome scene. It is. And yeah, uh, that whole get your Tootsie Fruitsy ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually Groucho saying, get your Tootsie Fruitsy ice cream. Right. And they replay that scene. Like later on in the career, I think it's in um, Love Happy, Harpo gives Chico an ice cream cone. And he's like, oh, Tootsie Fruitsy, my favorite. <laughs> Like there's this tootsie fruitsie. It's a thread. I, it's it's my chico chico reference. The tootsie fruitsie ice cream. <clears throat> room service. Now, did room service have Lucille Ball in it? Yeah, room service. Yeah. was Lucille Ball. Now, I will say this about Miss Ball. Back in the day, in like room service and the Three Stooges shirt she was in, Lucy was banging. Oh yeah. I mean, Lucy was good looking back in the day. And uh, so, so you see a very young Lucille Ball in Room Service. I, I can't say it's one of those films that I, I, you know, you remember a whole lot from. It was kind of, you know, one of their sort of in betweens. They did go back to MGM, and um, did... I think, I think, I think Room Service is is well done. I think it's a, I think it's a good film with a good villain and a good plot. And I yeah. think if you're going to go back to these movies, I think Room Service is a great movie to watch. No, that's true. Like, like that's true. Honestly. I don't want anyone to get the idea that I, I think there's a bad movie in this bunch. No, no. I'll I'll tell you if I think there's a bad movie. Yeah. There might be like one. Like Love Happy has some bad, you know. Love Happy. And didn't, <laughs> didn't they have a very young Marilyn Monroe in it? Well, for like two seconds. For two seconds. But Marilyn Monroe and Groucho Marx did do a movie together. So. Right. But for, wow. for yeah, this is a great, it's a great connection. And okay, fine, fine. Let's just go to it. Fine, whatever. Well, all right. No. You got to hit At the Circus. Yeah. Okay, so Room Service is 1938. At the Circus is 1939. Productions got bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And they started to fumble on themselves and not know how to play these things. And the plot was overridden. And I think you're right. They started getting more studio-driven. They became they became movie movies. Right. And 
the Marx Brothers seemed to kind of get lost in the background noise, mm-hmm. you know, because then it became this kind of spanning film as opposed to, no, these guys are stage actors. Mm-hmm. So you just put them in a tight spot, lock the camera down and just let them do what yeah. they do. Yeah. And that's great. it. But you then know. they ended up with all these big stage productions. Like at the circus had this right. big freaking circus. They had an actual Literally circus. Literally had a circus, yeah. And you don't need that, but they needed that for the movies. The Marx you know, Brothers like are the, the circus. It's like the yeah. Titanic or Avatar of the, it's right. time. We need to put all this money into these big set pieces and just do them. But you have to remember, too, 1939 was probably like the year... Of movie making. I mean, you had all of them coming out at that time. The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, whatever. In color. (laughs) Everything you made had to be big, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, Go West. Uh, (laughs) You know, another thing I would point out is I love this about the Marx Brothers. Throughout their entire film career, they always broke the fourth wall. Yes. I can't think of a time. I mean, maybe in some movie they didn't, but... Generally, in every movie, there was a point where they were like, oh, well, Technicolor is so expensive. We couldn't do that in this film. You know, yeah. just, Groucho just looks at the camera and tells you, right. we're too cheap to pay for that. <laughs> and then moves on to the next scene. You know, and it's great because it's yeah. like, did that just happen? Oh, absolutely. And I love that. I loved it in like Ferris Bueller's Day Off when I first watched mm-hmm. it. And I love it in the Marx Brothers movies that they're able to just literally be bigger than a movie itself right and jump yeah. out of the movie and say it's just hey, for you this dress is really beautiful but it's red and you can't tell this because the movie's black and white you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're throwing it at you oh it's perfect so yeah. anyway fourth wall always broken so in you know 1940 you have go west and 41 the big store and go west was a pretty funny i thought it was too film. the marx brothers out west which was hilarious yeah and they, they did that because there were some other like buster keaton things being right. done that were you know successful and it was a successful genre that where they tear apart the train for the wood and Mm -hmm. throw it all in there perfect so you know and the big store i think had some definitely good moments in it as well you know where they're just in this this huge kind of macy's gimbals on roller skates on roller skates it's it's hilarious the Mm -hmm. the pneumatic tubes are everywhere i mean it's it's funny it's funny if nothing else just to see all the old equipment and Mm -hmm. you know i love pneumatic tubes Oh, I do too. I wish they yeah. would bring them back. I, I really do. I think they're fantastic. Yeah, well, occasionally a bank or a drugstore will have Fuck them. Fuck tweeting. You. Just <laughs> yeah. send it up a tube. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. we will install a pneumatic tube <laughs> yeah. in the Riot Studio as soon as we can figure out how to get our tweets to arrive. In a pneumatic tube. What we need is a monkey to type in the tweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Hey, did you hear <laughs> orangutans are using iPads now? Really? Milwaukee County Zoo, maybe? Oh, yeah, you know, speaking of, I saw Rise of the Planet of the Apes finally. Yeah. I watched it really late because I was like, eh, whatever. I've heard it's really good. Wow, is it good. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Wow, is that good. See, now, everyone who's, who's said that, is, you know, told me that I'd seen it, and, and, and I, start, I rented it. Get your and hands I off started me, you to, damn dirty ape. I, <laughs> I started to watch it, and then I just, I, I don't know, I wasn't in the right mood or whatever, but I backed away from it. But, I mean, I saw all the original five. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm talking about, you know, Planet, you know, planet Beneath. <laughs> right, right, right. Planet Beyond. Escape. The planet Beyond. The so Complex Battle. Is this another Marky Mark one, or? No, no, whoever, no, 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 no. Although I did see a Marky Mark movie over uh, yeah. the Sacred Baby Festival break. Um, yeah. I saw... The Wind uh, That Will Kill You? No, Four Brothers. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that bad? Four oh, yeah. Brothers. Oh. Huh. I haven't seen that. Seriously, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is great. All right. I'll check it out. Great. I will check it out. So when did that come out? 
I don't know. Like last year, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's recent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there were... Definitely got to check it out. There were two more movies made. Um, okay. Later Night on... at Casablanca was the last Marx Brothers movie. Yeah, I'd have to say that's probably true. Before they decided they needed to bail Chico out and make another movie or two. Well, no, actually... <laughs> um, a Night in Casablanca and Love Happy, they both, they made because Chico. Okay. Yeah. So after the big store. After United Artists. They thought, big store, we're done. Right. Marx Brothers, we're done. We're not going to do anymore. But Chico was and like. And then Chico just needed money. Two inches and, away from the yeah. poorhouse. And... So the story, you know, mm-hmm. Night of Casablanca, Night in Casablanca became the, you know, last movie. Mm-hmm. And then here's the thing that I heard. Uh and maybe you know more about this from the Harpo autobiography, is that um, Love Happy was supposed to be a Harpo lead. Uh, right. Actually, I heard that he didn't talk about it much in the autobiography. Um, but Love Happy was supposed to be his movie. He was supposed to be the lead. He's this detective. He's supposed to get the diamonds, save right. the girl, do all the stuff. Almost like full circle back to that movie that's a lost film. Mm-hmm. And then the studio said, no, we won't do it without the Marx Brothers. And then Harpo... Figure, well, all right, we'll get the guys in it. We'll try to figure out how to do it. Right. And then it got completely rewritten and changed yes. into what it is. Mm-hmm. But the idea is Groucho was added on in the beginning and Groucho had some help. He knew he would be separate from Harpo, separate from the plot, which he is, yeah. which makes it kind of a weird film because Groucho it is a very completely weird film. separate. Yeah. And then Harpo and Chico are doing their thing here and there separate. Mm-hmm. And uh, then... It ends. I mean, it ends on this really surreal rooftop chase, which is one of the first and big and very controversial scenes of product placement where you have, yeah. you know, camel lights, you know, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> lit up uh, General Electric uh, right. light bulb rooftop things. And that's how they financed the movie was right. they just kicked in companies kicked in if they were going to uh-huh. have an advertisement and Harpo would do a stunt on the thing. Where where he would somehow be involved with the lighting structure and mm-hmm. it was sad. It was it was just kind of sad. And yeah. honestly, the fact that Harpo never talked about it as a Marx Brothers film and just glossed it over, I think shows in and of itself the disappointment that he had felt like he had a Harpo vehicle that he had written and worked on, and I don't think he even got writing credit in eventual you know the eventual movie because. It wasn't his movie anymore. No, no. And that's kind of a sad way to end, but... It is, it is. And at this point, um, Chico and Harpo uh, did, you know, they, they separated and, I mean, not, you know, negatively, but they worked together and separately in uh, casinos and nightclubs. Uh, mm-hmm. Chico was a band leader for the Chico Marks Art. Yeah. Well, you know, Mel Torme got a start on Mel Torme, yeah. a very young Mel Torme, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. Harpo gave his resignation speech on stage. Everyone knew he could talk. Everyone knew he was mm-hmm. almost as interrupting as me, you know, and the very talkative guy. Okay. He, he interrupted Tor almost all the time. <laughs> and Toro. <laughs> and Toro. And so he got on stage with those guys. <laughs> they could barely shut him up. He was like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm announcing my retirement from... The stage from acting, I'm done. It's been a great career, and on and on and on and on, like literally. And that would have been that'd be great to hear. I wish I could hear that, you know. Oh, I, sure. I don't know if the recording even exists anymore. I don't think it does, but 
Yeah. So I, I would say that there there was, you know, so so their careers just, I, you know, obviously uh, Groucho went on to do, you know, the You Bet Your Life game well, show series, yeah. which which is, it, it's fun to watch in reruns. It, I mean, if you have a chance to watch them, yeah. like on the Game Show Network or whatever, Actually, it's not it's terrible. the first game show that they really started uh, replaying in reruns. Yes. That, that yes. you know, had legs. Mm-hmm. Say the magic word and you're yeah. $100. Where's Fenneman? <laughs> and, you know, yeah, think of that. There's others. Like, who's buried in Grant's tomb? I yeah. mean, these questions were basically Groucho just throwing out culturalisms riffing and riffing it and having that's fun. Right. And that's yeah. why that's why these things are even popular nowadays. So so Groucho did, you know, he wrote several books. Uh, Groucho and Me, he wrote in 59, Memoirs of a Mangy Lover. And, of course, uh, which you mentioned before, the Groucho letters he wrote in 67, which and covers Love a Groucho. Love is, Groucho, yes. Uh, a book of letters he wrote to his daughter Miriam. Oh, and I would say, too, that uh, in, in Duck Soup, there's that brilliant scene where the mirror breaks. Oh, and yeah. Harpo dresses oh, up yeah. like Groucho. That in, should in put a, Duck Soup even higher. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In a nightgown, and they because they look so similar. I mean, he literally just drew yeah. his mustache. Well, on both put, Chico and Harpo dressed up like uh, yeah. Groucho. Yeah, all and, three of them yeah. Were and they were running around with and, the uh, nightcap on. Yeah. And they did this mirror scene just beautifully. Mm-hmm. And yeah. later on. Uh, Lucy on the Isle of Lucy show did it with she, uh, with Harpo Marx, and they did the, oh, yeah. the whole bit over again, and it was pretty funny. Cool. Wow. So it was. A, yeah, yeah. you got to love her. You know, that was a uh, the the movie that they did with her. Uh, you know, she was great, in. she eventually bought RKO Studios. Like mm-hmm. she was an actress, a bit actress at that in that movie, and she right. ended up buying the studio. Absolutely. I mean, wow. It's pretty awesome, and it's so cool that Lucille Ball. Was in a movie as kind of a straight woman, but with the Marx Brothers. Oh, yeah. That was cool. And the Stooges. Mm -hmm. I mean, so she's got comedy chops. No kidding. No kidding. And the the thing with the mirror scene in Duck Soup is uh, both Chico and Harpo, you know, know, they show them just putting on the grease mustache. You know, so it's sort of the... Okay, it's we all know it's a grease mustache. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But you could really much tell in the movie. And and so it's... I mean, it actually shines. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's, uh, uh, you know, you just have to pretend it's a mustache. Right. When you're watching Groucho. But, uh, yeah, that that was a fantastic scene that I was laughing madly during. um, You'd you'd have to say at this period of time, too, that this is when talk shows, late-night talk shows, started to become an item. They were kind of more or less invented at the, around this period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was a very early version of The Tonight Show where the five Marx Brothers actually all appeared. Wow. You know, together. But then after that, Groucho Marx essentially became this darling. So what of, year was this, like, like uh, this, 50 or? This would have been uh, 57. Okay. So it was very early on. This would have even been before, like, Jack Parr. Yeah. Or, you know, anything like that. And uh, uh, so then um, Groucho uh, actually made a guest appearance after Jack Parr left to introduce the new host, Johnny Carson. Cool. And and Groucho Marx was a staple of late night talk show hosts. Uh, My God, Dick Cavett wouldn't shut up about him. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he was. Oh, he had him on all the time. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these survive on YouTube nowadays. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. 
And they're, and they're really fascinating to watch. And yeah. uh, a, another uh, TV show, was, I believe it's called Person to Person with uh, oh, Edward R. Yes, Edward R. Yes, yeah, and good he, one. And he uh, interviewed uh, Groucho in his home, and he also interviewed uh, yeah. Harpo, sort of. Uh, Harpo didn't talk in, right. in, in his home. <laughs> and uh, so the Harpo, rest of Harpo's family did all the talking. Uh-huh. Harpo just whistled and oh, honked. You know what I loved is his yeah. son. He had his eldest son in that interview, and his eldest yeah. son was like, you could just see the sweat pouring down. Yeah, the yeah. Like, yeah. Huh? We're, this is uh, um, our latest album we're working on, and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm working with my father on mercury records <laughs> you could just tell the guy was just dying he's that trying he's to so plug nervous, his album yeah. trying to plug the album oh, that he's uh-huh. working on with his dad. oh no <laughs> but it was awesome the mercury yeah we'll outro on a little bit of uh groucho i thought groucho said some amazing things in that interview yeah and anyone who reads his letters uh miriam his daughter uh who uh, we talked about earlier shows up in that and she's the she's the subject of all the letters that um, were collected and published in Love Miriam or Love Groucho. Great collection, great collection. Um, I think the essential Groucho Marx pulls together sure. some of the other letters uh, between yeah the Groucho people. letters. You know, yeah. and I gotta say, there's this really interesting time when Hess was captured and Churchill was mm-hmm. alerted of that. Did you, did you hear that yeah, story? Yes, yes. And he was like, "Well, cap- uh, Rudolf Hess." Yes. Yeah. They were like, okay. you know, captured or not, I've got the Marx Brothers to watch. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, whatever. Yeah. I'm watching the Marx Brothers. I'm watching the Marx Brothers. Yeah. We'll talk about the war later. Churchill out. <laughs> you know, it's just like, really? Awesome. No shit. You know, I don't yeah. even remember what, was it Night in Casablanca? Yes. It must have been okay. Night in Casablanca because the timing would have been right. Well, no, that would have been 46. And oh. Hess was 40, whoa, that would have been... 1940. God, was it Go West then? Might have been Go West. Was it 39 or 40? No. 39 would have been at the circus. So it was... It's either one of those two. It was one of those two. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Uh, What I always found interesting is that... Billy Wilder, no less than Billy Wilder, wanted to direct the Marx Brothers, the new Marx Brothers Mm -hmm. film, Mm -hmm. called A Day at the UN. I mean, oh... Can you wow. imagine the exactly. Marx Brothers hitting the UN? That yeah. would have been hilarious. That would have been great. But unfortunately, um, you know, Harpo was in bad health, and and of course, uh, Ch- Chico died that year. Mm-hmm. So, and that pretty much was the end of it. The fact yeah. that Chico died. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Because it's you know you, you kind of take him as a package, really. Mm-hmm. In the end, well, and then toward the end, mm-hmm. uh, Groucho had been he'd gotten together with this actress Aaron Fleming, who there was a lot like Arthur. His son had taken some battles uh, against her because he thought she was just a gold digger that was trying mm-hmm. to further her career. And there was a lot of infighting between the two of them. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, sadly, she ended up he died. She ended up leaving him losing the, um, I don't know, lawsuits between Arthur mm-hmm. giving the money back. And she ended up committing suicide back in 2003. Wow. So obviously she was mentally unstable and uh, and oh. was really harsh and, and it had said a lot of really bad things. And, you know, who knows about all the infighting? It's too bad that, you know, Groucho fell in, you know, with someone who was also unstable or was unstable and mm-hmm. had a rough end. And Ro- Groucho had a rough life. He um, did. I feel bad for him. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he, he dealt with yeah. it really, really well. I think so. 
I think so in the end. I mean, like you say, the letters that you read and the other things that you find out about him, it's like, yeah, you, comedy comes usually, the best comedy, I think, probably comes from a fairly dark, angry place. Right, and, and, and he was traveling quite a lot, yes. so he wasn't always available, and you just knew that anyone who was writing like that was busy. Oh, yeah. And this guy was busy. Absolutely. Yeah. The final thing I would, I guess I would say on this is that in 1977, the Marx Brothers were were inducted into the, the Motion Picture Hall of Fame. And of course, my comment on that is, what took you so fucking long? Yeah, no shit. You know? Yeah. Get it really? together, you dumbass. 77? Okay, fine. They, they, and they had him on stage. Groucho went on to accept uh, an award as a slouching, very, very old man, you know, quite before his death he had suffered some strokes some mini strokes yes. and yes um eventually died of died of that but uh he he went on stage mm-hmm. and and i think aaron fleming is partially um credited she should be credited for bringing his status back up so that he was recognized by the academy because mm-hmm. without her push i don't think that would have happened so no kind i of don't a think so either sword. it would have been he they would have just been mm-hmm. one of these acts that was just essentially kind of forgotten mm-hmm. and then i'd have to say also too that one of the things that really brought the Marx Brothers back into popular culture was is that in in the 1970s and even before that you would have late night movie shows mm-hmm. where they would show you know like the old universal monster movies or they would show Laurel and Hardy, W.C. Fields, the Marx Brothers. I, I have to remember yeah. that what, there was one that was on at midnight every Saturday night called W.C. Fields and Friends, and they would play, like, you know, W.C. Fields, It's a Gift, and uh, The Bank Dick, and all these great Laurel and Hardy movies, mm-hmm. plus all the Marx Brothers movies, and which I'm sure were probably, like, public domain at that time. And then when cable TV took off in the middle to later 70s, the Marx Brothers became this this kind of staple again and really reintroduced everyone to this, mm-hmm. you know, great comedy act. So it's hard to yeah. find it in the wilderness nowadays. It is, though I will say this, I did get like all four of the Paramount films they were showing on various cable films, and I was able to, you know, DVR every one mm. of them. So well, that's cool. So they they are still out there, but certainly are available on DVD. Certainly, probably you could download them somewhere. Get and them from your library. And should your library? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in, I think there's, as far as I could tell, one on Netflix right now and a documentary. Yeah, uh, a night in Casablanca. Right, you know, and this will change because they add and subtract to Netflix all the time. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. but yeah. So um, let us know what your favorite Marx Brothers movies please, are please. at feedback at tankright.com. And if you think this Farrelly Brothers Three Stooges thing is a horrible idea, <sighs> I'm still gonna watch it. Yeah, I'm still gonna watch it, man. <laughs> yeah. This is slapstick. I know these guys love it as much as I probably love it. I think this is gonna be a loving tribute. The fact that they love it so much yeah. that they had to make a Three Stooges movie. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be terrible. I don't know. But if you don't think that the Marx Brothers uh, should be in the high esteem that Tank Riot holds it, please let Suck us know at feedback, <laughs> <laughs> feedback at tankriot.com. But please be prepared to show your work. Yes, yeah, show your work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Math exactly. must be included. Speaking uh-huh. of the old mailbag, let's say we get right to that. Let's hit it, mailbag. All yeah. righty then. Okay, jumping into the mailbag, I would like to start off uh, with a letter from uh, Clever Emi, uh, who, who talks about our 
War on Drugs episode, and I think brings up some important points about the legalization of drugs, which comes down to the tax revenue. What I don't understand is why a duck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it does. There's there's a very uh, good point in this, in that you know there's already uh, an economic structure that's built off of the drugs being illegal, right? And that you're actually going to be displacing a huge other part of the workforce. I thought we talked about that a little bit in the fact that we talked about how lots of sheriffs and people in charge of detaining people don't want to mention the fact that yeah. if we legalize this, you could dismantle, you know, a third of the police programs, basically. Oh, yeah, exactly. For detention alone. For... Plus all the people that, uh, you know, are part of this now, I mean, it's all going to end up going somewhere else. And, and who's going to benefit from it except, you know, the larger companies and so forth? I mean, I could just see Philip Morris putting out. It's just interesting to me. Yeah, I, I understand yeah. what you're saying, but... What you're saying is we should keep putting more people in jail to keep more people hired to keep more people right. in jail. Which doesn't make sense. That does not sound like no. a good society it, where we're already at the point where we have more people in jail than any other society in the world ever. Mm -hmm. it, it, as far as uh, running an efficient economy, the more you can spend your money on things that are beneficial and helpful – work to the long-term good, mm -hmm. you know, such as building a bridge versus, you know, blowing up a bridge in a war. You, you get more economic bang from building the bridge and be able to use it for the next 100 years. If we, let's say, legalize marijuana and then tax it, we've had all, the, all this new tax revenue and we can establish, expand the space program or something but, else but, like that with the money and, uh, and hire the people that way. But one thing, you could also add that you could have growing, you know, structures built in that said, you know, marijuana grown within the state of Wisconsin or grown within the borders yeah. of the United States. Why should all the money go to British Columbia? Right. What I'm saying is that could right. be, you could make it cheaper. So therefore, you could take farmers yeah. and other people and say, spend more time and effort cultivating here and hire more people to cultivate these things to allow more people to smoke them. I don't think that's a bad idea to build goods and services around mm. something that doesn't actually cause people to die. You know, right. marijuana does not cause deaths. And, you know, as I said in the episode, I'm not a big marijuana guy, but I also don't yeah. see any problems with marijuana. No, no. If people want to spend their lives earning money growing marijuana and other people want to spend their money on marijuana, yeah, great. And he, and even this if, is win-win. Yeah. And even if you have an issue with marijuana... Well, let's. What about hemp? Okay, can we just at least do hemp? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's get back to hemp. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I mean that's that's a cash crop that's just ready to be tapped, and in fact, other people have right. been, and we're way behind on that as as mm -hmm. usual. So, right. but don't get Victor started because it's not a good fuel source for a car. That's right. That's true. I will never believe you can grow something. Okay, I'll never say never, John Connery style, right. but. You you could grow something eventually that might be the way to do it, that you could grow your own gas engine. I don't know. See, to me, that's <laughs> it makes just good like, pants. you've got this. It, it yeah, all, it doesn't make good pants. It makes crazy paper. <laughs> it all yeah. comes down to, to limited resources. You know, you, you've got just so much coal, you've got just so much oil, and you've got just so much arable land to feed 7 billion people and counting. So spending even so much as, you know, a garden plot to, you know, fuel a car to me just seems ludicrous. Right, right. So. I agree. 
I agree. I don't know, but I, that, that is a very good point, Clever, and we thank you for it. I'd, I'd also mm-hmm. like to mention on a related note, uh, an email from David Springer, also with the same episode, he also brings up a very important point that we we did kind of uh, give short shrift to the role of race in the drug war. Yeah, you're right. We did. And that's... Apologize for that. Yes, because, I mean, the the effect that this has on the black and Latino communities is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, the disparity... I thought we mentioned the disparity of the people who are in jail, Mm percentage-wise, being black. Yeah. I didn't go into different ethnic I don't know if we mentioned that... I believe I heard somewhere that the laws against crack are much stricter than the laws against cocaine. Yeah, no, the whole... Because the, the, the blacks are... Smoking the crack and the whites are right, snort, snorting right. the cocaine. You could always find yeah. find a way to control the at risk populations. I'm air quoting again, mm-hmm. so yeah. you can't see that, but um, <laughs> the, but it is true. I mean, the rate of incarceration based on race is is widely it's disparate. ridiculous. It's, it's re- yeah. statistically anonymous. Uh, it's it's an anomaly. An anomaly. Yeah, anomalous. <laughs> Fuck it. Anomalous. World domination is inevitable. Inevitable. Come again. But yeah, no, it is. I thought we covered it, but I can totally recover it and mention it in greater detail. We could have spent like probably 20, 30 minutes on. Oh, easily. If not, we could have done the whole episode on that. Not only the prison populations, but in how the drugs themselves were built and how they were marketed and how they Mm -hmm. were marketed as dangerous to the youth culture at the time, right? which killed my dog, and how the crack was especially Well, that's true. Because black people did it. Yeah. I mean, that's the racism of the time. It was was interesting to me, too, that drugs had a bad reputation because a certain community used it, but then that also made it attractive— to another group of people because of that. So th- that that's always seems to be, you know, the, where the divide is. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it, is, is it even vaguely fair in how they prosecute the drug war both domestically and internationally? No, not at all. And it, does it have a strong racial component? You bet. And how many emails did we get from people thinking the drug war was great and we should continue it? Yeah. Uh, uh, none. That that would be <laughs> that would nothing. be zero. Yeah. So yeah. happy baby yes. Jesus fest. Yes. The one and all, gentlemen. Do you have some from the mailbag? Yeah, I have one from Justin. Justin, uh, he lived in Omaha for six years, and he said it's not that that bad of a town. They got some good beer and some great scotch. So pretty so cool. I didn't slag on Omaha. I think it was no. you, your yeah. teacher. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, yeah, we, we had some slight comments, but we did did kind of back up on those. I would say Omaha is to Nebraska what Austin is to Texas. It's definitely an island of culture, yeah. awash in a great desert. And, 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 and we talked about and, making out with pigs in Wisconsin, so. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and Justin, come on, Omaha, we're no one to point fingers. <laughs> yeah, really. Justin she was asking bunch for of it. pig fuckers. Justin <laughs> does say that the rest of the state sucks, though. Uh, oh, that bastard's but he's us from more Ka- hate mail. But he's from Kansas, so he won't throw stones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he can kill someone in Bloody Kansas. <laughs> Throwing stone. He also wants to bring up a few points about uh, our drug cop podcast. First, about whether or not marijuana is a gateway drug. He thinks what can make it a gateway drug is the fact that it's illegal and you know you buy it from some guy in the around the corner 
And that guy, he might be selling Coke too. So he might, you know, be pushing Coke on you. It might be a franchise. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of, you know, so get hooked on Coke that way as well. Well, that's a point. Um, Availability. Yeah. And his other point is that, you know, white people hype up how bad marijuana is for you and, and all these negative things, which I think we did cover this. Then people or kids might think that, well, okay, marijuana wasn't so bad. So, you know, maybe heroin isn't bad either, or maybe cocaine well, isn't bad either. I mean, it's, it's, it depends. Maybe it's not so bad to put heroin <laughs> under my eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, to me, what's always, what's, I've always found kind of hard to understand, I guess, is that, uh, you know, you get these actors or performers or whatever, or celebrities, what, what have you. And you're going out, you're hitting the party scene. You might have a little ecstasy. You might have a little Coke. You might have a joint or two and, you know, some champagne or I like where this story is going. Yeah. But, but <laughs> how in the hell do you make that jump to heroin? How do you just say, you know, this is fun in this club and everything, but what I'd really like to do is go to a, <laughs> a shitty bathroom and tie off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when does sticking a, a needle become a good idea? I, I don't understand. I don't know. That, I mean, but... that's just me. Uh, I don't want to get any yeah. hate mail from our heroin users. But... If you know Macaulay Culkin, please email <laughs> <Yeah>. us. Macaulay! <laughs> we don't kidding. recommend heroin, heroin Party use. People. <laughs> There's a movie yeah. he did. Uh, not real. <laughs> Victor, do you have any? I just wanted to say thank you to Scott for your email of wonderful, wonderful ideas and also to Mason. These are great ideas. We'll be in contact with people. We appreciate all the ideas we receive at feedback at tankriot.com. Do you have more, Tor? Yeah, I got one from uh, uh, Sarah and uh, Robert, and and they ask, uh, well, actually, this is just Sarah asking, uh, please do a show about SOPA, S-O-P-A. So um, they're confused and... Well, maybe we will. We'll have, we'll have, maybe to, we'll. Sure. We'll have to research that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, anyway, I would also say... Controversial law that recently enacted. I don't know if you guys have contacted the president, because I have contacted the president, comment line. Um, I actually was so disappointed in the fact that the National Defense Authorization Act was passed. Yeah. He signed yeah. it. He Absolutely. said he wouldn't sign it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'll sign I, it. It, it, did, it didn't surprise me for a minute I'll that he would do it. that. <laughs> I know. Th- th- I'm going to sign it with some <laughs> reservations. I've got reservations against it, but I'm going to sign I mean, it I, anyway. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was really upset about it. It's just like the Patriot Act. You know, it's like, well, you know, I was kind of out of town, <gasps> so I had it auto signed. It's okay. I'm not really for it. <laughs> Get- I won't use the provisions in it. Come on. Get no kind of upsets me. Do I look but, like that kind of president? Yeah. Would I do that to you? See, I, I hate to I hate to, <laughs> to, to, to Obama bash because I you know, I don't want to become like a Fox News auxiliary. I mean, essentially I've yeah. said this before, it's like, you know, exactly the reasons why Fox News bitches about Obama is why I bitch about him is because he's not any of those socialist things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done really nothing that I wanted him to do. He's kind of the opposite of what he says Exactly, he is. exactly. Yeah, what Fox and says he is. So so or, now that he's, you know... Even what he says he is. Yeah. Exactly. It's so he, pathetic. He's the incumbent, and then you have this clown show on the on the far right getting farther to the right, and it's you feel like yeah. you're the dance band on the Titanic, you know, right, just right. waiting to play closer than my God to thee. Yeah. I, it just mm-hmm. doesn't. I just, I mean, everyone should be aware. The National Defense Authorization Act says that 
you can be indefinitely imprisoned, no matter right. who you are, except right. if you're American, unless they think that there's a reason you might be someone who should be detained indefinitely. Right. So you can be detained yeah. indefinitely. So essentially, they've they've <laughs> expanded City. enemy combatant status to really just anyone that we don't anyone like. anyone that they don't yeah. like for any reason that they don't like them. Awesome. You could you could kind of see that coming back in the day when they came up with the term enemy right. combatant. First of all, they just pulled it out of their ass. But we're just clarifying what yeah. was already on the books as something the president yeah. could do anyway. We wanted to fill well, it in. motherfucker, you clarified it yeah. for a reason. Thank you. We need we need the executive <laughs> branch with even more power. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought it was um, amazing that Bush did this, and then you know led the path for the next yeah. president to be the Democrat to take all the power in the world. Exactly, and it's amazing because he's accepted all the power yes. in the world. He's extended the Patriot Act and the, diminished none of it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and and then this rolls around, <coughs> which needed no clarification, no, which needed no support, which needed no one to write anything, got written. Got passed, got signed, and right. thank you very much to the Democratic president who took away the liberties of American citizens in signing it. And I cannot bitch about this kind of shit if I do not complain to my representatives Absolutely. before and after they make horrible decisions based on their fear of security for yeah. Americans. Yeah. Or, or whatever the current what, excuse is. Well, I'm sorry, or, but yeah. you, you as a citizen need to take fucking charge of this yeah. and call the president your yes. goddamn self and write the president yourself and contact him and take charge. We're just letting this stuff slide by. Yeah. And and, and that's that's how this gets through. I mean, the Patriot yeah. Act was actually just like completely sneaky. Mm-hmm. I mean, number one, the law is not really a law. It's sections of other laws that it negates right. or refers mm-hmm. to. So it's not like you can just say, okay, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. Because then you'd have to go back to these whole acts. So it's 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 like this Sudoku, Sudoku puzzle. <laughs> and then you've got... Uh, something like this, which is just ball faced. Okay, here it is. Guess what? We can leave it up to our determination at any time to just suspend everything that you were taught from this high on that it all that the rights you have and are entitled to. Right. It's just gone. Now, first off, uh, so I was in uh, Indiana. After the holidays, as as part of my Sacred Baby Festival uh, visiting duties. So I was talking to my father-in-law about politics, which is always, like, super dangerous for the both of us. And one of the things that, that he was talking about was, I just don't understand what these Occupy people want. What is it that they want? There's no more free lunch. We can't pay for every social program. We're and I, broke. And We're I said— broke. Government's broke. I said, you, you, you broke. hit on it exactly. That's exactly it. Why is there no money? Why is there no money? Why, after the Second World War, Europe decides to do things in a way to not have another devastating war. They try to do things so people work, they're taken care of, they can expect a certain level of care. There's a European dream, there's an American dream. It's all about the same. You work hard, you raise your families, you do the best you can, you, you know, live out your your old age and and you know that's it. But now you're saying, okay, the door's just slammed in your face and no, you're going to just have to keep working indefinitely. You're not going to have any money. Um, it's all going to where 
That is the point. That is the exact point. Where is this money? The, the, Where did it go? There's plenty of money, or more accurately, resources to yeah. solve our, all our problems. We just have to go ahead and do it. Exactly. But it comes you down know, to exactly yeah. what you were saying before, Victor, is that we let this stuff happen. That's why it happens. So I'm not understanding what you're saying. Are you saying the job creators are going to save us? The job creators. Um. Well, what the right wing calls the job creators, uh, not likely. They're part of the economy. Yeah. They are not the economy. Now, if That's you look at the real the job creators, which is probably more the small businesses, yeah, if they were given the right tools to grab a Scott Walker term, <laughs> which a, a tool that would actually help them would be a single payer healthcare system, so they don't have to worry about trying yeah. to buy healthcare insurance well, for all their you employees. Go. You know. Oh God! So did solutions you, are there? Did you, you guys happen to, to see them. the Scott Walker commercials where him and his family are working at like a food kitchen or something? No. Well, oh God, that was that yeah. was more staged than Greedo shoots first. Did you I happen? Mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. Well, also uh, did Greedo shoot Walker? Some. <laughs> okay uh, with that. I wish. <laughs> so, so apparently, some people that worked on the Walker campaign and and you know provided somehow. Now Walker isn't necessarily tied with this. He's sort of saying, "Oh, I." But but what they did was there was a organization that helped uh, families of fallen veterans that you know lost their oh, lives in the wars. Yes, yes. they stole that money and, and funneled it towards okay. Walker and Republican guys, causes. Guys, we got to yeah. take it down a notch. Yeah. Whoops. Earlier this week, Scott Walker was in Washington at a fundraiser for himself, decrying how money from outside sources was ruining campaigns in Wisconsin. Wow. Wow. I mean, damn. Kettle's this... on the phone, pot. He says you're black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable the level of craziness that's going on. But yeah. yes, it is sad. America's uh... sad. America's a sad, sad bucket of sad. <laughs> and and trickle down sad yeah. doesn't help anybody. This, because this campaign is these just job awful. creators are not helping. No. Yeah. I mean, 40 years of tax cuts to job creators haven't helped create jobs at all. You're right, Sputnik. Yeah. What's going on in Europe, what happened in Europe since World War II, instilled within Germany, within England, the idea that people needed healthcare as a resource in order to right. function in their yeah. lives. Yeah. And Americans don't fucking get it. I think Americans, it's sad, I think most Americans generally want healthcare and don't think that they should be paying for it. But because of the top-down economic policies right. of this democracy, yeah. and I'm air-quoting. Yes. I'm fucking still air-quoting yeah. because I'm just, it's well, like Tourette's. I'm so yeah. upset about yeah. it. Well, we will pay for health care even if it is a single-payer health care system. Oh, we will pay for it. But, but we'll pay, we can pay for it collectively. And, and uh, No, we don't pay for anything collectively. Collect that's the problem with America. Yeah. If we would just yeah. pay for these things collectively, we would not have any of these problems. No. But right. we need to pay individually because that allows the people at the top to get more money and more money into the pockets of the top 1% yeah. helps them. Yeah. yeah. And they That's are true. the ones who run Congress and they are the ones who run – You know, yeah. one well, email we got from a listener and damned if I can remember their name, but it was uh, – a link to an article at www.antipope.org, mm -hmm. and it was Charlie Strauss. It's a blog of an artist, and basically he said the same things that we're often saying, 
America's a plutocracy. You have to be in the top 0.1% if right. you're going to be involved in government. You have to be in the control of the corporations. Right. There really is no hope for this democracy to run as a democracy yeah. because people like Barack Obama sign shit like the NDAA and they will sign SOPA and it doesn't fucking matter. No. And it's and they can sell it because yeah. of the apathy, because of the fear, because of the ignorance. And it just continues on and on and on. Now, in the end, it's, it's just like watching a spiral of decay. Um, I think we have a front row seat in it, you know, to it in Wisconsin with the things that have been going on. But certainly this is not unique. And watching this election and watching how it's going, I mean, this this isn't even bread and circuses. Is, or certainly it's not good bread or good circuses. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, presidential election? Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. this is a, such a ridiculous parody. It's all There's, circuses, here. no bread. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Here. Bring your own damn bread. The, 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 this is, though, the, somewhat the remedy for that is we're not going to get the super progressive solve all the problems president in 2012. No. no. That's not going to happen. We had that last time. It was hope. And now it's hope that you're not detained yeah, hopefully you're not detained. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, but you have to. The, I like that. Now let let me finish. The presidential race is going to be an entertainment thing. Yeah, this time around. But what we can focus on that Get actually your hands off me, you damn dirty populist. <laughs> that that actually might do some good is uh, it, it focus on the congressional races, uh, yeah. the Congress and the Senate. You start flipping those races around, get some progressives in there, some uh, liberals. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, Say that like you mean it. That <laughs> one, goddamn blue dog liberal, I'm going to come to your Egg house. Egg-sucking, bleeding-heart liberal. That could actually do some good, and that's something uh, – <laughs> you start attacking every – right-wing nutjob congressman you know someone needs to run against him if you live in their district find someone that's good to run against him and let's put pressure on everyone that's uh you know a nut job which is a good chunk of them yeah and getting uh, to be more so and you know the the right even though they're totally rich and everything they're not going to be able to you know cover all the bases and you know fight that because the the facts are on the side of the of us basically right Tor, you are my Harpo. You make me feel better sometimes. No, it's true. I do agree. I I don't know. So there there is times when the spiral does. I mean, you know, I, I do feel like I'm spiral. I'm, into, I'm staring I into the this. abyss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, but the, between SOPA, you mentioned SOPA, you mentioned NDAA. Yeah. I get really upset. I no, agree. There's no reason not to be. I'm sorry, listener. Yeah. We might get to SOPA. We might not. It might pass by the time we can actually get to it based on our yeah. schedule. Yeah. Well, um, if you want more shit, uh, in uh, Indiana, uh, apparently they're changing the, their laws for their capital and saying, uh, you know, the public's not allowed in here. We're only going to let in lobbyists. Awesome. I'm probably simplifying it a bit, but that's basically the gist Coming of it. Come bearing money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we only want the power brokers in oh. here. Well, yeah. you kind of always knew it was going that way. So. Yeah, yeah. But hey, so they're, they're going total dictator. To, yeah. hi, to Fergoja's hand for me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fergoja's hand. Uh, and we also got an email from Ian who um, is uh, wanted to thank us for voicing some solidarity with the workers in a, at the Manitowoc company. It was all tour. And, That's um, true. So, and so yeah, and and that the struggle still continues up there. He had some nice things to say about the city of 
Manitowoc and how the uh, high school mascot is actually a a ship, you know. So, oh yeah, because so, all the shipbuilding. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of shipbuilding, and it, Manitowoc kind of got screwed over by NAFTA. And uh, anyway, it's something uh, you know. If you're interested, you can look it up on the internet. Uh, like, uh, you know, Google Manitowoc Shipbuilding Company. So anyway, we continue solidarity with all the workers that are struggling. We'll continue the fight. Do what you can when you can. That's right. All right, kids. Um, For the outro music tonight, it's Crib Shitter all the way. Awesome. We're getting back to the funny. Crib Shitter has a new album out. They're a local Madison band based... In Madison? Out of Madison. (laughs) (laughs) Department of Redundancy Department. Did I say that? Well, they're from Madison. And as Madison Madisonites, they Madison it up. They're led by Diaper Daniels and Danica. And there's also an appearance by a fucking lion and Don Rubbish and others, including (laughs) Don Rubbish. Shredders. And I'm hoping on our website we can once again post the VH1 behind the music story of how that fucking lion died. (laughs) I don't know how they have new tracks with that fucking lion because according to behind the music, that fucking lion died because of a lot of drugs. Wow. Not surprising. No, no, we weren't surprised. I mean, with a, it was like Jan Michael Vincent, you could see it coming. Yeah. With (laughs) a album title like Methlehem, I'm surprised he's even back. Wow. But on their second debut album, Second debut of Because sometimes you don't always get yeah, to say you, what you want. You debut another time. And uh, they came out with 20-some tracks. And uh, I'm going to play one of them at the end of this episode. Excellent. It's called Boom Goes the Vagina Mine. Uh, we'll play more songs and explain this band a little more after you go to our website and watch the Behind the Music episode and learn why you shouldn't laugh about that fucking lion in his horrible death. That's right. He but, died. But for the grace of God. Fighting for your rights. <laughs> fighting against the NDAA. Yeah. That fucking lion died. Is that funny to you? Is that? Am I some kind of comedian? Yeah. Am I just here to entertain you? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, crib shitter. But first. <laughs> <laughs> and now for something completely different. That's right. I would like to wish happy birthday to the Commodore 64, the uh, very first computer that I ever programmed on. Wow. Uh, it's 30 years old this week. Damn. If I got my information correct. All right. Crib shitter it is. Why look at me? I worked my way up from nothing into a state of extreme poverty. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Victor with a quick programming note. I wanted to make sure that everyone knew that the CD release for the Crib Shitter album, Methlehem, is going to be here in Madison on January 27th at the Dragonfly Lounge. So if you are a local listener, please go check out that CD release and get yourself a copy of the new album. Uh, There are 20 tracks of Crazy on it. We'll play a few of them in the upcoming shows. Also, there's going to be a Cinco de Mayo show for our listeners up in Oshkosh at Beckett's. So check them out. Thanks to Diaper Daniels uh, for letting us play this and for Danica for her beautiful tuba playing and for Don Rubbish's rapping on the new album and that fucking lion and Messino and everyone else who did such a great job making that album the silliest thing I've heard this year. All right. Cheers. 
I got four days left to wipe me cooler with this piece of legislation. I got three days left before they put my frequent flyer privations. I got two days until my girl leaves me high and dry in a speedo. Too soon. I got one day left to keep it really, 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 really real. Trash and toss it in the crowded beer garden. Uh. Boy, you gotta get your mind right. Boy, you gotta get your mind right. Boy, you gotta get your mind right. Get it right, get it right, get it right. You gotta get your mind right. Boy, you gotta get your mind right. Cause
First he sighed and then she sighed And then they both sighed side by side Peasy Weezy, what's his name? Peasy Weezy, Peasy Weezy, what's his name? Be not